Summer Breakfast on SEN. Oh yes, here we go again. Welcome everybody. Summer Breakfast. Great to have your company on this Monday morning. It is the week of Christmas. This time next week, Christmas Day. But for now, the 18th of December, and great to have you on board. Just tick past 6 o'clock, of course, today on the McCafe menu. Ian Healy is going to join us as we wrap up the first test Australia Pakistan, as Tony Gregg would have said, uh, over there in Perth. Gareth Hall as well. Just a small matter of uh, Damien Damien Oliver riding off into the sunset in spectacular fashion over in Perth at the weekend. All of your calls throughout the show, 1-300-736-736. And texts, I'm assuming, as well on the 40 Wings Temper, 433-98-11-16. Sam Edmund with you, as is my old mate, the sporting legend of this country, Simon O'Donnell. G'day, Scoop. Good morning, Sam. Good, happy Monday to you and to all our listeners. Good to have you on board. And are you well? You've had a, hang on, it just dawned on me. You've just got the old short back and sides. I trademark. Last week, but Did I had you? the hat on. Oh, you had the hat on? Yeah, I had the hat on. All oh, right. Is that what you do? I've gone when pretty you short. Hat? It's very short. Is that why you wore the cap all week? Last yeah, week? I thought, oh, gee whiz. <laughs> I'm just noticing it now. Yeah. No, it's no, very you, smart. You went a bit short on me, but um, that's okay. It'll come back. Very aero, aerodynamic. Yep. yep. Well. As you well know, you know, I've been getting on the bike and the gym and yes. punching my way to Christmas. Did I tell you I took my youngest to get a haircut last week? And um, <laughs> he's getting his haircut and I'm glancing up from the phone. I'm just doing a bit of work to prepare mm. for you, of course, in the morning. Yep, everything's going well. Look up again and he's had a, like a lightning bolt shaved oh. into his head. I said, what? Hang on. What, where did that come from? And the barber goes, oh, well, he, he asked me. So, so I did it. I said, you realise this kid is eight years of age? Why, well, any chance you were going to look at me and say, is this all right with the old man? So the 2023 family photo on Christmas Day. <laughs> got a big bolt. He's going to have your son with a lightning bolt in his hair. It's pretty funny, actually. I didn't mind it. I congratulated him. But I thought, what's the, what, what if a parent did have a problem with that? And the kid says, oh, shave it all off bald. Yeah, okay. What, what would what's Barbara etiquette? Surely you look over at the olds and say, "Your six-year-old's asking me to do this to his hair. Is this okay?" Anyhow, I, I, I stopped short of you know, calling my kids cowards when they first went to the barber. You know, and they sit the the a board across the chair on the armrests. You know, yep. to sit them up. Yep. You know, and they're they're howling. <gasps> first haircut. Yeah, get on with it. No, no, it's a confronting experience for the Tough kids. Dent, dentist is worse. How was your weekend? Yeah, did a bit of cricketing. How'd Tom go? Uh, they won, won one, one loss. Gee, it was a good idea. The, the grade cricket played three games. They had a 2020 carnival, if you like. Oh, yeah. To, to end the 23 year. Over two days? No. One day? Only, only the one day. So they started 9.30 Sunday morning, uh, Saturday morning. And there was three teams involved. So, you know, there was three games on the day. It was very good. Where was really, this? Really, really good. I didn't leave the cricket till bloody 7 o'clock. Love got it. there at just before 9.30. I had a gorgeous day in the old chair just sitting there. A couple of people came and said day, which was bloody rude. Um, <laughs> I know you don't like that. But, uh, Timmy, uh, said that hello to, Timmy said hello via the 40 Wings temper this morning and wishing us well in our final week uh, together for the year. Good on you, Tim. Great to hear from you out in Brighton. So Gee, just, I'll miss you after this week. I'll miss you too, mate. Yeah. Savagely. Uh, I went to the Carol Saturday night, actually. Did our bit. It's the Seddon Carols. Yeah, uh, Yarraville Gardens, this was. Right. A big Carol setup out of the Botanical Gardens there in, uh, in Yarraville. Did you have a on the way home? Uh, no suva this time. However, food trucks everywhere. Had a couple of um, um, FM radio station activations. The Western Bulldogs were there doing an activation. 
Um, there was action everywhere. They've got a permanent stage set up there. So we're all there for the carols and everyone's got their picnic rugs laid out and their deck chairs and their fancy setups and everyone's looking festive. Kids are running around with the glow sticks and everything. And we're thinking, right, we'll settle in nice sort of a couple of hours of carols and some all time classics. (sighs) Had to wait two hours for the first carol because... One of the most random things I've ever seen at a Carol's Night. We had a Michael Jackson impersonator. What? <laughs> Michael Jackson impersonator. Did a concert. A full-on concert. And it, it was a spitting image of Jacko. The era where, um, you know, the, the long hair, the sort of ponytail and the hair down the face there, the full backup dance set. All the classics. I reckon 90 minutes of Beat It, Billie Jean, Thriller. No jingle bells or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Just the way you make me feel. It was wow. the most random thing. And then did you have carols? And then we got some carols. And, and, and uh, the carols sung live by someone? They or were. They yeah. That had, had a choir there. Choir. And some singers. It was a very good setup. Just yep. a bit random that we had. We had a bit of thriller for, yeah. the, for the first bit. That was very strange. Very, very strange. But You're I had a, a good weekend. You're a alternative out there, aren't you, it's said? They're a bit different. Yeah. yeah. Creative sort of yeah, type yeah, out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, arty. <laughs> I reckon arty's a good and arty's a yeah. good word. I have nothing wrong with that. I think arty. there are a lot of arty farties out there. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. that's what you're getting at. No, but, but <laughs> a lot of the things you talk about in your community, no, that's what I you feel get. are quite arty. Mm. You, you, yeah, you, you'd like to... You can think outside the square a fair, fair bit out there at Seddon. It's a calm before the storm for me. I had the, one of the best weekends I've had for ages because we did two fifths of bugger all. We did just cleared the decks. Yes, we had a Christmas, giant Christmas ride yesterday. Speaking of Christmas events, yeah. yes, magnificent. There was a hundred, you would have loved it, Scoob, driving, trying to get past and you us. You did tell me Michael road. Jackson was there. No, there's about a hundred of us. On the ride, hundred, yes. yeah, a massive bunch going down Metro. You would have loved it as a motorist trying to get past us. But you would have been in twos. No, we were. Two two up. 50 all, lots all of two. Yeah, it was amazing. It was a big turnout. Great fun. All, Great brekkie. This is probably, you'll think this is a stupid question, but I, I it, it's to increase my knowledge of riding. So when you're 50 lots of two, can you swap the two so you talk to someone else for a little yeah. while? Yeah, you do a bit of that. Yeah. Yeah, we went to Morty, then regathered and mixed it up a bit and rode back and had a nice... Nice breakfast and put all the weight back on afterwards. Magnificent. Where'd you have brekkie? A place called Carter Love It. And is that on Beach Road or is that back over near Sydney? Sort Seddon? of Elstonwick. Elstonwick Ish. it would be, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Just off the Nepean Highway. You know the Nepean Highway. hundred of your lob in one joint. Yeah. They saved it all for us out the front and just spread it How out. How good's that? Yeah, it's a pretty impressive cafe though. So shout well, out. Who to organises that? You, you got a organi- team captain of your riding group. Shout out to John, Darren Rutherford, the head of giant. He looked after it and looked after us I magnificently. It was good. You asked. I'm telling you. I pay no bike. But I also found time to watch a Christmas movie. Have you got a Christmas movie classic that you always – because there's a real thing now for – Well, I do. There's a real thing now for Christmas movies that aren't Christmas movies, like your Die Hards, all those movies. (laughs) And I wouldn't mind – I love Die Hard. The original Die Hard. I'm a sucker for the sequel, though, Die Hard with a Vengeance. I love that one. Oh, yeah. All the Die Hards are like Yeah. One, if you've got a Christmas movie you turn to that isn't all Jingle Bells and, you know, um, I Snow. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yes, there you afternoon. go. Batman Returns, I think, is another popular one as well. Catch Me If You Can's a Christmas classic. My wife loves. Oh, that's, I've got an update there. My wife loves Christmas movies. 
Christmas movies. We'll watch one every night for the last two weeks leading into Christmas. What last night? I don't know what one. You know, what you searching watch? Netflix or whatever for these Christmas so movies. So Beck would have a go to. Yeah, I go to bed. So look, yeah. Claws will come on the day. Yeah, Claws comes on the day, but you got to. We, I watched a new one yesterday, Candy Cane Lane with Eddie Murphy, and it had some Eddie Murphy moments in it, to be honest. It just is, geez, he's funny, Eddie Murphy. I could look at him just when he's doing nothing and he makes me laugh. Yeah. Okay. Lethal Weapon, I, I, yes. I, I can do any of those. Another Christmas any classic. Any of those Lethal Weapons. I've, I've returned to Rocky a bit of recent times just to understand how bad those movies were. <laughs> what one? When Rocky All gets absolutely pulverized. <laughs> gets up. Uh, no, no, <laughs> not one of the punches hits him. <laughs> it's just, you know, we were on the cusp then of you know, figuring out you know what what sort of how you you know, filmed a punch. What angle was the one angle that gave you? That would you know, look that so hit. ordinary now. Oh, he was against Clubber Lang. Remember Clubber Lang, yeah. Mister T, with all the chains. Yeah, he was against. <laughs> and seriously, some of Clubber's missed by a meter. <laughs> oh, Rock! Oh, Rock's head went right back. Rocky, Rocky Four is a is a Christmas movie. Adam says off the forty weeks tempo four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Now, Love Actually, Love is a actually. Beauty. it brings a tear to a glass eye. Love Actually, I haven't watched that's that the, for a that's long, the, long time. That's the where they swap the houses. Right. Now, who's the main? Who's the main uh, performer? Um, the, the lovely Putting English, you on the spot, English on the spot there, aren't I? Yeah, you have. Oh, um, savagely. The good-looking Jude Law, I reckon, is one of the names. He's, Hugh, the, he's the English fella. That Hugh Grant's the, one for a good the brother point. of the sister. He's the brother of the – his sister goes over to LA and swaps houses uh, and yeah, they all fall in love and, yeah, it's fantastic. God, I don't know if I've actually seen that. It's fantastic. Jack, Emma Thompson. Jack Black. What's his name? Jack. He's in it. He's seen it too. Yeah. Liam Neeson. Oh, our, our listeners Good cast. In it. Good oh, cast. Oh, it's a ripper. And the, the English lady who's the, the lead, she's fantastic and that'll that'll come to me. Emma Grant, I think we might have just did we established. Uh, yeah, but our listeners will tell and you know, there's she's in love with a bloke who she can't love. Yeah, and, okay. oh, yes, it's yes. Just just tear oh. glass. And then there's this um older um Hollywood producer fellow, he's fantastic. He's the next door neighbour of her when she goes to America. Oh, it's a great show. You've got to watch a couple of movies over the festive season, don't you? Would you? Can you believe Talji, our pizza shop owner, yeah, our Dog pizza shop owner, from, go to the, go to the from Devon Meadows, mm. actually won yep. the Phoenix. Yep. We spoke to him last week. Yep. The, the, the dog he's been not waiting. Did you think he was capable? He's a $23 outsider. No, I didn't oh. think he was capable oh. at all with an ordinary barrier. Not only that. Box, rather. He had a pun on bucks. Ollie winning the last. Yes, that's right. In Perth, all up his own dog. I well, reckon he put another me in his pocket. Well, because Ollie famously rode Scalacci, mm. obviously, the thoroughbred namesake. So they got a photo with Scalacci, the dog. And then it was meant to be on the day, wasn't it? Certainly what a day not. for Ollie, too. We'll speak to Gareth all about that oh, as well. I'm thinking of holiday, I'm being told here. Not, what did I say, love actually? Scoob, that's the holiday. Oh, you're yeah. getting confused. Sorry, Life of Brian is a great that's movie. Right. G'day, lads. Brad Pitt. Christine Aguilera, Stephen Spielberg birthdays today, says Roy. There you go. Have a great last week. Um, so the holiday, it's what you're thinking of, not love, yeah, actually. sorry. Thank you. Thank you, team. So Talji goes and wins a million. The dog that he's been waiting his whole life yeah. for at the Phoenix. Amazing. And then he backs Ollie over there in Perth as well. We'll get to that later on. Last three runners wins for Damien Oliver, who bows out at, what, the age of 51, I think he is? Couldn't have predicted it any better.
Mm. Couldn't have scripted it any better. No. SEM Breakfast is for Melbourne Airport. Parking, nothing beats Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. You can book online. Summer and country racing is on at the moment. Visit country.racing.com. West Ham, three. Yes. Wolves, nil. Yeah, what about the EPL? We'll keep an eye on that this We're morning back. as well. We're heading to Europe. Just some other scores. Arsenal 2, Brighton 0, Villa 2, Brentford 1, and Liverpool frustrated overnight uh, just a couple of hours ago by Man U 0-0. And did you see, just before we get to the break, Gary Neville, more praise from Gary Neville for our man Ange Postacoglu at Spurs. He said, where Man City eventually say goodbye or Pep Guardiola says goodbye to Man City, Ange would be the man. That, man City. That would be. Yep. He said Ange would be the man. He, the way Spurs play the game, he says, I've never been more entertained by a style since I stopped playing over the last 10 to 12 years than Spurs right now. Wow. And how quick Ange has been able to do it in, in, in the time that he's had has, uh, has blown him away. We so love Ange. Pretty, pretty heavy praise. We love Ange. Yep. All right. There you go. I think it was a bit of a, you know, took the air out of the balloon, didn't it? Should yesterday. we? Be- should we be worried about this summer of cricket? It looked ordinary coming in. So Australia beat Pakistan inside four days by 360 runs. Are we? Uh, has me worried about the level the West Indies will play at, to be well, honest. I'm probably putting a bit of a different angle on that. And what's that? Well, I, I'm interested to see what the ICC say about that pitch. The Perth one? Yeah. Why? Well, it was bordered on dangerous yesterday. Yeah. That that crack yeah, a bloke bowling 123 k's hit Mitch Marsh twice in the head. How's the variable bounce? Like, how's that Nathan Lyon wicket that that bounced? Well, I say bounced. It, it gru- basically grubbed yeah. to skittle. Like, so so, I, I think you know, not only to their um, community, not patronise the game, oh, we'll but wins louder louder than anybody about you know that they don't get enough cricket. We over might in the get West. to we might get to that, and they got every excuse under the sun. As well, mind I, you. I'm not sure whether that pitch is up to test standard when day four, it's doing what it was doing there. I hate to think if we went to day five. Well, they went into it saying, we want more spice in the wicket. We want it to break up a bit more but than what it did last. So spice is uh, me coming in bowling that my absolute crackerjacks at 120 hitting Mitch Marsh in the head mm. twice. We'll, we'll get into this out twice. of seven. Yeah, Marsh got one in the grill. Uh, a couple of other batsmen wow. copped it as well. And just as we go I to the break, I, I, should have any. I want to ask you I want to ask you a question to Stu on this as we go to a, the break. Get Goss on the phone. No, we don't want to do Mitch Marsh, named player of the match, 90 and mm. a 63 not out. And a popular choice, given not where really. he hails from. Is Warner stiff? I know he made a duck in the second innings. He had 164 in the first innings to lay the platform and set it all up. And it all got set up then. 164. He's stiff. Was he stiff? Yeah. I reckon very, he was very, 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 very stiff. But Mitch did. What, he comes like in a, and. A, a really good, like a, a ripping 90. And then, you know, on a pitch that's crap, peeled off another 60 odd not out. That's that's a good effort, too. Try well, my I best not to they... water down his contribution. But when you hit 164 in the first innings to, to lay the platform at the top of the order. 
would have got my votes. I, I must admit, I'm probably with you on that. And are you with us? Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. There's a lot of cricket to get to, of course. All the wash up from the first test over there in Perth. Ian Healy's going to join us to, to help us do that. The Australian wicket keeping legend as well. We're going to talk about the goat Nathan Lyon and where he's found himself in the in now the pantheon of Australian uh, bowlers. Gareth Hall to chat about Ollie's farewell over there in uh, the state of WA as well. Questions of that note are still ahead of us. And SEM Breakfast is powered, as always, by Kubota. For more than 40 years, they've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Summer Breakfast on SEM. Yes, it is. Sam Edmund Simon O'Donnell with you on a Monday morning. Uh, this text has just dropped us. Uh, Come on, boys. Give us a spell from the chick flicks. Bad Santa is a movie you want to watch. You ever watch Bad Santa? I watched Bad Billy Bob Thornton? But I will be watching Bad Santa. Wildly, it sounds good. Wildly, uh, wildly inappropriate and politically incorrect. Uh, you will chuckle, I reckon. Uh, I'm, I'm writing that down, Bad Santa. Bad Santa. We watched tonight. And uh, this text goes on to say, cricket in Perth is not in a good place. I am from Perth. While Optus Stadium is a fantastic venue for cricket or even bloody cold play, you go sit in the baking sun, it's crap. They should have kept the whacker going. Could have a permanent pitch and a crowd of 25,000 with a great atmosphere. We shouldn't get either of the big two, England or India, oh. for test cricket. Blimey, that's a scathing text. But uh, the crowd, now that we're talking about it, yesterday was nine. The official crowd by the end was nine thousand two hundred and forty-four on a Sunday. On Saturday, fifteen thousand nine hundred and fifty-six. So over the four days, uh, under the sixty thousand, more than last year's West Indies Test series at the same venue, and it is said to be a record attendance for a Perth Test featuring Pakistan. But. Uh, Less than 60,000 over the four days, Scoop. Um, and plenty of people are coming to defend it as well, mind you. Perth locals or otherwise, um, we, we're looking at um, populations of Perth and the ratio to Phil Optus. We're saying, oh, you know, work and school during the week. And then, oh, but all the club cricketers that couldn't go on the Saturday as well, the thousands of those. At the end of the day, are you having it? And is it disappointing? Oh, I'd like to see more people there. Yeah, I would. And, and you know, for... for the unique manner in which cricket is played over there because of the pitch, you know, I, I thought more people would come. But there probably is a transition stage from the Wacker to this new ground that, you know, many would many would still. The Wacker was. No. The, the Wacker had. What, they go to the Wacker by accident? <laughs> you know how we have the lineup for the Boxing Day test, you know, people go in and people say, oh, man, I've sat in the same seat. Yeah. Know, the boxing Boxing Day for thirty eight years you and the members and what, really no there there used to be a dash at the Wacker because you used to when you they'd open the gates on day one you know you'd see these people dashing in to get their their seat in the you know the Lily Marsh stand and those sort of things so uh, I don't know if there's some kickback from that I, I think it should be better attending than what it is but um, you know Perth have got to have some international cricket but they'll they'll never get the good stuff because the people don't come and watch no, fifteen thousand so, on the Saturday. You know, and I think I think that that in it so those figures in itself says, Hey, you you're not you're not going to get the A graders. We'll give you the B's and the C's every now and then, mm. but you're not getting A's. Mm-hmm. And they're saying also, Well, you don't give us the A's, we don't go. Yeah, yeah, chicken or the egg. Yeah. So they're in a bit of a tough spot. You mentioned the man of the match. Now I know Mitch Marsh got got a wicket. Yeah. In the first, sorry, I need to. I, I did know that. I know he got Barbara's arm. I know he got the 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 king wicket there. But gee whiz, even with that. So what was that? I'm one just thing? doing some research on who awarded the man of the match. Oh, I've had a couple of texts come through. It may have been Mitch Johnson. Oh. <laughs> 
Or we'll lock, we'll lock Mitch Marsh in for player of the series then while we're at it. Yeah, he, he, I think he did. he's doing weight, rating points this morning in the Western Australian. And I think David Warner got two. <laughs> but Nathan Lyon chasing the 500, that was the entertainment that we needed in a lopsided contest. Uh, the reviews and the drama for the GOAT to get to 500. Tommy's in. Glenn Iris, he joins us on the open line. How are you, Tommy? Oh, I'm very well, mate. Love that victory yesterday. It was a sensational performance from the boys. Was indeed uh, absolutely dominant, wasn't it? And what about the goat? Oh, mate, he's unbelievable, isn't he? He's just all conditions all over the world. He just gets it done. And I feel like Warner McGrath, uh, you know, they're the greatest bowling partnership we've ever had. But Stark and Lyon has to be just about the second best, yeah. best bowling yeah. partnership of all time. Good shout. Well stuck good, yesterday. good shout there, Tommy. So it's Warren 708, McGrath 563, and then... Nathan Lyon, the former curator, 501 test scalps. It's not a bad story. Extraordinary. It's not a bad story, Tommy. Yeah, all conditions. They get it done. Stark and Lyon, it's probably underrated. I feel some Australian cricket fans probably don't rate them high enough, but I reckon they're unbelievable the way they bowl together. Yep, very nicely put by you. Uh, he's a great of the game in this, in this country. What a career. I did like Kerry O'Keefe's line as well. He goes from Mr. Bean to Thor. Mm. <laughs> There's a bit um, of Mr. Bean about him, doesn't he? Do you? Why isn't the Australian cricket team more lauded and loved by our community? Oh boy, that's a deep question with a long. Many, oh, we've got, we've got, we've got several. We've got another hours. two and a half hours to figure it out because I find that they are nearly one of the greatest teams we've oh. ever put on the ground. Still, there's people out there laying the boots in. So this is comes back to the attendance as well. So if we're World Test champions, 50-over champions, T20 champions, and they're playing in your backyard and you, you get the 15 or 23,000 across a weekend is probably not enough. But, well, it all, a lot of it traces back to matters in South Africa, doesn't it? Surely. I don't think we'll – will we ever forgive this era for that? And the sledging, and the sledging blowback before that. As well, and the and the way we conducted ourselves in the in the in the middle, and a bit of sledging. Well, nothing. A bit of sledging was fine, but I think people couldn't cop the fact that we were a particularly nasty side there for a period of time, and we had to we had to revert back under well, initially under Tim Payne's captaincy of all we'll we'll play hard but fair, but we won't go over the line. South Africans and all the others didn't come at the Australians no, with just as much. I'm just giving you my impression of of your question. But, but and the will best we ever forgive them for it? Because I, I find it quite amazing that, that there's still the plaudits for this team is no, well, way under. There's loved players in that team now. Like Marshall mentioned, Head is is magnificent, and he's if he does ascend to the captaincy in time, I think that'll be a wildly popular uh, choice. But it's um, great to hear from Tommy. So, oh, wasn't that fantastic? The boys yesterday, but. I don't hear much of that. Well, I think a lot of people don't like Paddy Cummins either. We know that, the captain, for a stick to cricket, which is not his not his go. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. That's not his go either. Yeah, it's quite amazing. You know, the the sacking of uh, of Langer and how that all went down, was that right? So that turned people off. Oh, the players, you know, the, the cart he's steering the horse, mm-hmm. allegedly. Yeah. People don't like that. Yep. Yeah. It all goes into the melting yeah, pot of... See, Pat Cummins in his press conference, he was brilliant. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. The way he spoke about Mitch Marsh and his growth and why and, you know, yeah. he, he, you know he's learnt 
that scoring runs as he's go, it doesn't matter how he looks when he scores them, he's just got to score them. Is, is there is there something inherently ingrained in us that we, we, not that we've got tall poppy syndrome, but that we like our sides to battle a bit? We like them to be in the trenches and the underdogs and the... And oh, we, we top all the mighty test nations when we, when we probably think that we wouldn't, as opposed to top of the pops, the dominant force. But on Thursday, people were still drop-kicking David Warner. He scored over 160. First morning with test match, set the test match up for Australia, and people still wanted to drop-kick him. Okay, here you go. Here's some feedback for your question. Public struggles to relate to them. They lost a lot of respect in South Africa with the sandpaper. Australian cricket team full of unlikable types. Not a patch on the legends of the 2000s. Too many flogs in the team, says 183. It's the way they lose, says 323, not the way they win that I hate. So a lot of those texts coming to through. Lose? The players are arrogant and not liked. Um, it's, it's quite amazing. I just, I, I, I thought about it last night. I thought you couldn't get a better 11 or a better squad with the success they're having, yet... That's amazing at the moment. The, yeah. they're, they're rated well under many of the sides of the past. Mm. Uh, David, sit tight. I know you're in Townsville. We will get to you. Uh, my apologies. You'll be we, wet, we, David, we, I reckon. We better, yeah, we're keen for a weather update too, uh, David. Hope you're well up there. We'll just get the news headlines and we'll come to you straight away. The Melbourne Mavericks are here. Get a Mavs membership today. Hit the melbournemavericks.com. Still a lot of theories and beliefs coming through for your question, Scoob. Why is the approval rating of the Australian cricket team so low when uh, everything says it should be so high given the results? David's been waiting very patiently on the line. How are you going up there, David? What's the what's Mother Nature doing to you? Well, in Townsville, we're very lucky. We just got a lot of rain over the last week. It's more up around Port Douglas and Cairns. Yep. So um, like I have family that's uh, my son lives in Cairns and they're they're copping it pretty hard, and the Coppolite Dam is in a bit of strife. So, uh, but hopefully everyone's all safe. Mm. I know um, Machen's Beach and Clifton Beach and all those beaches are uh, in a fair bit of trouble at the minute. So hopefully everyone's as safe as possible. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well said. Well said. Now, what's on your mind with the cricket there, Dave? I find it interesting that. Um, Channel 7 choose not to put the cricket on their app because I tried to watch the cricket all week being that I've been off with COVID and I can't watch it because I live in a rental property where the TV aerial doesn't work because the real estate won't fix it, nor will the owner, and I couldn't watch it all week. Yeah, so David, I didn't know it wasn't on the 7 Plus app. I mean, I can only assume it's a rights issue of some kind, otherwise it would be, and, and Seven normally do a pretty good job of putting it on their app. I don't think it was certainly not an oversight or any tech issue. I think it would be a rights issue, if anything, at a, at a guess. And you made an interesting observation, Scoob, just on a similar front in regards to Nathan Lyon after the match. Well, interesting David brings up the, the Seven and you know the pay TV relationship with sport. I always thought that the free-to-air took... Um, uh, were the, the sort of the host broadcaster, if you like. That's what I, I was always under. I always understood that's the way it was. Mm. When the game finished yesterday, they were walking off. Nathan Lyon went straight to Fox. Went straight to the, the pay per view yeah. broadcaster, not the free to air broadcaster. Yeah, which I found really interesting that they would do that. I, I know in the old nine days. And that, that was to do with cricket, footy, racing. If, if you went anywhere near a, a pay-per-view broadcaster before you went to 
the free-to-air, you got your butt kicked. And just to see that happen yesterday, I thought, wow. You know, and it was all, you know, it was Fox. I thought, oh, okay, it's maybe new, neutrality and they just take the feed. Couldn't it? It was, was all the Fox commentators asking the questions. The microphone was branded Fox, the whole box yeah, and dice. Yeah. So, well, Brooksy's telling me that David Warner, post his century, the drinks break, spoke to Fox first mm. as well earlier in the test. Yeah. So, so I, I'm, you know, are we, are we getting ready for a world that, in broadcasting sport, and it's happening in a number of other countries. Are we getting ready for a world that doesn't have free-to-wear sport? Well, the NBL, they're playing Christmas Day. They're the only sport to play on Christmas Day in, in the country at the moment. They're, they're, in fact, they're doubling up. They had the Kings and uh, United last year. Now they're going with the doubleheader this year. They had a bit of a broadcast issue with uh, ESPN having exclusive rights. And the clubs are like, well, hang on. What's the point of playing on Christmas Day if... We're not on free-to-air and people mm. can't watch it, you know, or not as many people can watch it. So they've allowed to Channel 10 to come in on Christmas Day, which is pretty big. ESPN have said, okay, we don't have to do this contractually, but Channel 10, you can come in and televise the second game on the Christmas night as well, even though they have the exclusive rights. So I thought that was that was pretty interesting as well. A lot of text coming through on uh, your question, Scoob. We'll circle back to that. Just matters on the pitch. Australia defeated Pakistan by 360 runs inside four days at Optus Stadium in Perth. Nathan Lyon claiming his 500th test wicket. He joins Glenn McGrath and Shane Warne in the 500 club of Australians. And Mitch Marsh was named player of the match. He's two half centuries and the important wicket of Baba Azam in the first inning. Scooby? Uh, yeah, in the NBL yesterday, the Taipans had a thrilling one-point win over the Brisbane Bullets. The Sydney Kings beat the Tassie Jack Jumpers by eight. And Melbourne United, uh, they're on top of the ladder with 13 wins and three losses, which is four wins ahead of the Kings, who are in second spot. Epic A-League grand final rematch at the weekend. Melbourne City, three. Central Coast Mariners, three. It was at Amy Park yesterday. Angel Torres was the star. Three goals for the Mariners. And victory sit on top still of the A-League ladder. One point clear of the Western Sydney Wanderers and MacArthur FC. There was uh, plenty of pizzas being thrown around Melbourne <laughs> on Saturday night after Scalacci won the $1 million Phoenix. Uh, Telgi, his trainer, uh, Scalacci's trainer. And he owner. Spoke to it. And owner. Uh, he spoke to us. I think Ladbrokes were the slot owner yep. uh, for the Phoenix, and uh, they w- would have celebrated long and hard. He also backed Ollie in his last race in Perth. So Pretty big weekend. That would have gone all up into the dog, and oh, he'll be throwing hundreds up in the air and blowing his nose with them. Oh, I don't again. mind pizza for Brecky. million bucks. million bucks the Phoenix, the winner. Oh. Sam Kerr helped Chelsea to victory overnight, scoring ahead at Helps Hill a 3-0 win over Bristol. And there's plenty of action in the NFL right now, Scooby. What's West going on there? Ham three. Oh. <laughs> yes. Wolves nil. Uh, there's um, NFL action right now. The Dolphins are dominating the Jets. It's right in front of me here. They're 24 nil up. Dominant. Absolutely. 24 nil up. Chiefs. Look at the other screens and they're not in front of me at all. Chiefs 14 10 against the. On, on. There's a game on, but it's not them. Against the Patriots, Falcons leading 7 3 against the Panthers, and there are a stack of other games on after 8 o'clock this morning. The Cards against the 49ers, Niners. Rams, Commanders, the and Bills against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Tim's in Doreen before we break. He wants to talk crowds at the cricket. How are you, Timmy? Yeah, good, thanks, boys. How are you? Yeah, we're good. That's the way. I've got a bit of a theory, and it's a bit of a crossover. Two things you're talking about one about crowds, one about maybe why the team isn't as embraced as um, they should be based on performance. Um, and just, so just on the crowd, I thought, and I, by the way, I love test cricket, but the game was effectively over at lunch on the first day. Mm. And I think that's a bit of a problem with test cricket, particularly in this country when it's 
so one-sided. Like, you can spin it and go, oh, you know, Pakistan's fighting back, but they were never going to win that game after Australia was none for 100 at lunch on the first day. Um, and the other thing that happens this Australian team does is the unnecessary second innings. So rather than enforce the follow-on and move the game on, they have the unnecessary second innings. And I thought it was typified by what Steve Smith did. So he reviewed that LB decision, which is his right to do, but when the technology confirmed that he was out mm. and he, he sort of sulked about it, they're 300 runs in front. There's another you know, five or six batsmen in the shed still to come in. The game was won. It, 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 he made it about himself when really it didn't need to be about himself. You know what I mean? Like a, they're not necessarily just trying to win the game. They're, they're trying to fill their boots and, and boost their averages. So, yeah, just a bit of a theory. Um, and to be fair to the people in Western Australia, they turn up for the big bash, just not the test cricket. And we're, we're the opposite. We turn up for the test cricket, but we don't turn up to the big bash. So, yeah, anyway, there's some thoughts. Yeah, nicely done, Tim. Uh, Steve Smith uh, never thinks he's out, though, Scoob. That's the, no. <laughs> that's the competitive no. nature of the man. How and was I suppose that, that, though, that, by That's the, the point of difference in a Steve Smith. You know, and, and I understand Tim's point, but Steve Smith wouldn't – he'd be thinking, I get – I'm here to make runs, and I didn't make any. And I'm out. Yeah. I don't think I was out. What that, was it? That was a coat of varnish. It wasn't even a coat of varnish. Uh, it was it, like a hair. He wouldn't have been thinking of the situation of the game. He would have been personally disappointed that he hadn't made the contribution to the team by making runs. I think if you're up shadow batting at three in the morning in your hotel room, as Tim says, you, you take great <laughs> pride in your performance, regardless of the state of the game. Uh, as we break, it is interesting, says this texter, the Matildas are able to capture the whole nation's adoration, but nobody could give two hoots about the cricket. Maybe it's a saturation of the sport. It's always bloody on. We'll keep exploring that throughout the morning. Talk some more about the GOAT as well. Ian Healy's going to join us. We're going to wrap up the first test with heels. Gareth Hall will chat all things Damien Oliver and his fantastic farewell and your involvement as well. All ahead of us. Give us a buzz. one 736 736 Summer Breakfast on SEN. Welcome back, where we find Alan on the road as we uh, continue our conversation on the cricket. Uh, Alan, what's your, what's your theory on perhaps why we aren't just wrapping our collective arms around the Aussie cricket side more than what some of us are? Morning, guys. Um, look, give me a, just 30 seconds and I'll explain to you something. I, I came from the States, so I, I was a 12-year-old boy when I came to Australia. I used to love baseball. I came here during an era when there was Lily's, Thompson's, Alan Border and all the great, you know, great characters like Sir Vivian Lee Richard. I think tennis suffers the same thing. First, it is an inundation of uh, um, tests. I used to religiously watch all the tests, but I, I, I promise you, I've never sat through a T20. The other thing is, I would never ever give a board McEnroe to all the Alcarezes and Sinners and the, you know, the believers and all those guys. I think the game as a whole has lost character. The last characters that we had in cricket were the Warns and uh, uh, Hughes and those guys. You know, I think they become like machines, even tennis. I used to stay up four in the morning to watch the Wimbledon final. Mm. I couldn't really bother. I didn't even watch the replays anymore. I think it's too mechanical. And, and to be honest with you, we, we don't have characters in the game. It's just become a business and machine. I mean, they're talented, there's no doubt. The game is better in terms of skill and all that. But you go back and watch even a grand final like 1989, Hawthorne Geelong. You're not going to find many games like that. I think as the technology advances and players get better and sharper, it's just the same thing with NBA. I mean, the 80s NBA, 
they're much more talented now as more watchable. That's my take. And I think it's too much, too much cricket on, on TV right now. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate the call. So maybe that's in keeping with, I guess, the extra layer of professionalism, multiple mm-hmm. layers that's come over the game and the money at stake as well, Scoob. I mean, this one from Serge, my theory is that social media allows us to know everything about these guys, all their comments, all their wives and partners, etc. whereas in the 70s and 80s, we only knew what they did on the field and we loved them for it. We knew nothing about their opinions. We didn't know who their partners were. We knew nothing, but we loved it that way. Yeah, yeah. I think there's two sort of, Themes coming out, you know, the, the technology side is one, and the the sterility of the game that it, that is there's such a sameness about it, and mm. but the characters then are you know, they sort of become voiceless. You know, the the competition uh, out in the middle becomes sort of a voiceless competition. There's not those there's not that free will to be who you are out there because it's it's is it is it over officiated now. Dave on the road, another one. I'm a test cricket lover. My demographic over 40, this is. Struggle to watch Steve Smith. He's never out. Shakes his head all the way off because he's never out. Warner grates on us. Marnison Cummins are no ponding on Merv. Too few likeable and charismatic players in the team. Marshline and Head we can get around. They just get on with it. That's from Dave on the road. And then a lot of texts coming through as well saying, let's call it as it is. Unless it's England or India, we're generally just not as interested, mm. Scoop. Get involved cool on the 40 Wings Temper Techs. The all-new Temper Pro's out. It's Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper, a mattress like no other. I want to talk where Nathan Lyon sits on the grand scale of test wickets as well and some of the names that are in there all-time school with you. Australian or world? World. World. After the break, uh, 7 o'clock news coming up as well, and then we're going to get right into that first test. Yeah. Ian Healy, Gareth Hall to join us this morning. No! Summer Breakfast on SEN. Great to have your company. Hey, Shane, we're hard up against the news, but I really want to take your call. You've got about a minute if you can make your point in 60 seconds. Welcome to you. Hey, morning, Sam. Uh, Simon, how you going? Good, Shane. Hey, um, I just wanted to get an update of whether uh, you boys have finished watching the uh, yes. that great <laughs> movie you previewed last week. <laughs> Leave I, the... I, had a, yeah. I had a crack at it, and I was a little bit um, caught up with the whole five-part thing. I'm not sure what was going on with that, but um, let me... Uh, what, how'd you guys Did you get go? through it, Shane? Well, I, I think I fell asleep between two and three, but I, I managed to catch four and five, but right. I'm still not sure what happened with Julie Roberts and that bloke, whether they caught, hooked up or not, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they did not. They did not. I, sh- I shouldn't say too much, Shane. Um, you should persist with it. Scoob didn't. He didn't like it. I did. I re- it's one of those movies you're either going to talk it up or you're going to talk it down. There'll be no in-between with it because it's so unique. I haven't gone back to it, Shane, but I don't think I will either. I urge you to, Simon. It's I urge time you to in watch your life it. you'll never get back, Shane. You realise that. Watch it with a full tank of gas inside you there, Scoob, and you'll be fine. You'll yeah. appreciate it for what it is. I'm with Shane. I think you need a little <laughs> nap in the middle of it. <laughs> I've got a lot to get to this morning. It's such little time, but always great to take your call on the open line. Let's continue those calls. one 736 The news, and we'll straighten up after that. Summer Breakfast on SEN. The Good Oil for Cobram Estate. Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil. Grown, harvested and first cold pressed in northern Victoria. 
Twas the week before Christmas, but Sam Edmund and Solomon O'Donnell are still here with you for summer breakfast. And if you're listening this morning and you're off to work, the countdown is well and truly on for the end of uh, end of the working year. Well, for most of us anyway. For those of you working through, we wish you well. We'll have you covered right here at SEN, of course. Last couple of days of school out there, Scoob. Um, so when you say working through, does that mean sort of Christmas, New Year? Yeah, for those in going in, in that week, which yeah. is, you know, those in the hospitality game, yeah. I, re- I imagine will continue through. So Ian Healy's going to join us, wrapper the first test at 8 o'clock. Gareth Hall, we just had to get to Hawley. All things Damien Oliver. What a farewell for the legend of Australian racing. Trip, how did you get involved in race horsing? Won his last, won his last three races on the trot over there in Perth, if you don't mind. Fair old effort from him. Questions that notice as well. But the good oil... Rest with the Australian cricket team, mm. Simon, who you put front square on the agenda this morning, at least. Um, I guess the perception of them, more broadly speaking, is the matter's off the pitch. But on it, well, they can't do a thing no. wrong at the moment. They are at the peak of their powers. Uh, they won by 360 runs inside four days. They take a commanding 1-0 lead in this series against Pakistan to the Boxing Day test um, in a week or so's time. And uh, they did it quite easily in the end. And the footnotes of this particular outing, Scoob, um, Nathan Lyon surpassing 500 test wickets and David Warner's 164 to silence the critics um, when Australia ended up batting first. Uh, Let's uh, have a quick listen, actually. Nathan Lyon, we need to spend a bit more time on him, Scoob. Um, And and this was him speaking after uh, after the close of play, Australia's victory, and him uh, surpassing the 500 wicket mark. I'm pretty proud. I'm beyond proud. Um, obviously, we've got my family here, some, well, some, some of the family here, my brother and my uncle come over, and obviously, got my wife and wife's family. So, it's pretty special to, to be able to tick, tick off 500 wickets in front of those guys. But um, I know to come back from a calf injury and, and do all my rehab and have had this at the front of my mind of uh, how big a milestone it potentially is, and um, to be able to come out and do it the first test, it's pretty special. So that was Nathan Lyon on SEN Cricket. So all time here now, and we know he's in the 500 club for the Australians, a Warren McGrath line, but all time, Murley at 800, Warren at 708, Jimmy Anderson still going at 690, uh, Kumble 619, Stewie Broad 604, then there's McGrath, Courtney Walsh, then Nathan Lyon. And Nathan Lyon's 18 wickets behind Courtney Walsh. He is going to surpass him at some stage. And then you're getting up into some of the absolute legends of the sport. So Pigeons 563 came with an average scoop. I was just reading this morning, 21.6. Extraordinary, wasn't it? It is outrageous. So only, I had to have a quick look here, in the top 20, I think only Malcolm Marshall and and, uh, Kurtley Ambrose had a better average. 21.64 for Pigeon. Extraordinary. All, All over the world. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing, those guys. He, so, he bowled just as well on the subcontinent as he did here. Yeah, and Nathan Lyon, 501. Uh, I tell you what, it snuck up on a lot of people, I think, the fact that he's been able to do it as he's done it for so long. Um, and Longevity want... of a spinner yeah. helps, doesn't it? So how old is he? I mean, th- this was put to him, actually, by the boys on SN Crew. We might play this. His love for his want, his desire, his passion, and, and you know, the fact that, you know, well, he's close to the end in the beginning, but when would the end be? This was Nathan Lyon. I've said it many times before that 
Um, if I can try and get better each and every day and the hunger is there to try and play cricket for Australia and play my role and keep winning games of cricket for Australia, then I'll do it as long as I can. I, I, I love this game, I love this team. I love playing out in, in front of crowds like this today. So um, it's, it's a pretty special group to be a part of and if I can keep doing that, and I'll, I'll do it until I can't walk. <laughs> so he turned 36 a month ago, mm. Scoob, but... I mean, that calf injury aside, which was nasty. I mean, he's, he's regularly described by Paddy Cummins as the most important cog in the bowling lineup. He's the, he's the surety. You go there and you know exactly what you're going to get. Um, uh, if you said to me five years ago, six years ago, would Nathan Lyon get 500 test wickets? I would have said no. Mm. I'm still probably a little surprised because he's. Yeah, you know, there's not that um, what what you'd call X factor in in what he does, and and that's I'm not. Yeah, he's I know what you're saying. Yeah. But there's there's not the murally X factor or the the worn X factor, but he has X factor. But he he looks like a normal off spin bowler. It's brilliant what he does. It, it is fantastic and interesting. Um, watching yesterday, before he he got his wicket and was sitting. Um, and which comment? I think Kerry O'Keefe picked it up. Mr. Bean to Thor. Yeah, no. Oh. Yeah. But he said, you know, he was bowling 92 and 93 Ks. He's bowling quick. Yeah. And actually, my James said to me, yeah. he's bowling too fast. He's pushing it through There's real no fast. No loop here. No yeah. loop here. And I was watching and just watching. And, and then Kerry O'Keefe said exactly the same thing. So, you know, and then once he got the 500 wicket, his average dropped down to 88 and 89. So it, it was he, he was there was tension there even for him yeah. to get the wicket and he was just pushing it through that bit quicker and then suddenly the the loop returned after the five hundred had been achieved so um, yeah he, he's he's not a prodigious prodigious turner he doesn't often get the ball above your eye line. Has he just been uh, but continually he just gets underestimated? The job done. Has he been continually underestimated? About? Yes. So he just gets the job done. Best figures of eight for fifty, an average of thirty point eight, and and Ravi Ashwin's coming for him pretty hard uh, behind. But he's amongst the greats of the game, yeah. and I don't want to get too far off topic here. And I, I do ask you this question, knowing how pointed it is. So feel free to shoulder arms. But are you having Murali at the top at eight hundred? No, no, I'm not. I've said it before. No, no, I, I can't cop that. Oh, do you reckon people, most people, are the same? I, I look at it I and just think. I can't cop it. I don't look at that list and think, oh, yeah. I I look at it and think, oh, merely, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've, I don't know if there's an asterisk there, but I think, God, is it, mm. is it kosher? Is it, was Daryl <laughs> all those years ago at the G? Oh, it was an ugly scene, wasn't it? But there's, the action wasn't legal, was it? Well, <laughs> it wasn't. Well, let the eyes have it. I, I, with 800 plus test wickets, yes, it was legal. Was deemed legal because that's where he sits. It, he sits oh, okay. as the greatest of all time. Does it pass the typical pub test? Well, now the typical pub test um, does, doesn't have a um, doesn't have a lot of rule and regulation around it, does it? No, it doesn't. No, but I think in the pubs, but it takes it, away the red tape and all yeah. the crap. So if you take away all the red tape and all the crap, I don't think it passes the pub test a lot, mm. and particularly because Shane Warne sits second. So in every Australian pub, I think forget they'll be that, saying, no, 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 no. And, yeah, I'd, I'd but I don't that. think you can forget yeah. that. I think that's part of it. Part of it is that 
Shane Warne sits underneath him, and we want Shane Warne to be on no, top. No, well, I mean, and even that will be eventually broken in time. So no, nothing lasts forever. Oh, nothing who's like, going to break that? Murally. Someone will come along. No way. And not now. After lifetimes. our lifetime. No, I'm not saying necessarily. Yeah, so I, I, I don't think that'll ever be broken. Really? There won't be as much test cricket played. Well, so your longevity good... is going to have to. I was going to say there's more and more cricket being played, but of course there's probably less and less yeah, test yeah, cricket. You're going to have to be, start at 18 and finish at 45. He bowled 44,000 deliveries, merely. And Warney bowled 40,000. Um, so 1992 to 2010, that career, uh, 230 innings he bowled in 7,339 7, overs. It's a heck of a lot of cricket, isn't it? Uh, Steve's in Collingwood. He joins us on the Opalon as we sort through the uh, aftermath and the fallout of the first test between Australia and Pakistan. How are you, Stevie? Good morning, gentlemen. Great. Yourself? We're going well here, mate. We're going well. How's things with you? Are you off work yet or are you ploughing on through? I've been retired for 12 years. Oh, half your luck. Magnificent. Uh, more time to watch cricket. Yeah, um, you just said there before, Simon, that Lyon didn't have Murali's X Factor. Yeah, he doesn't chuck, mate. He's not a chucker. It's as simple as that. And the other one, Davey Warner, as Teddy said, mate, you stuck it up him. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. I think we got your sentiment loud and clear there. There's a few texts coming. Nathan Lyon, right place, right time. Do you think Lyon would have played this many tests if a decent leggy had turned up? That's from Matt in Hunters Hill. But, but uh, he would wouldn't have got in. Nathan Lyon, you can't get him out because mm. he, he just does the job. Whether it be the first innings or second innings, for every test match at some stage, he is the dominant bowler. At some stage, he is the dominant bowler. He He's... He, Brilliant what he brings to the table. You know, for your captain to be able to say, oh, beauty. Yep. Throw it to uh, Gary and he'll just get the job done. And, and they he's, both, he's, the, the quicks help wow. him, but he helps the quicks. So, so this text came, I really think Lyon benefits from the pressure the three quicks put on. There is no relief and he provides none as well with his consistency. They, they are hand in glove. My you can way. rotate the three through one end. He holds up for, you know, the better part of 30 overs at the other end. And you've got a great parent. And, and that's how it works. You know, pe- people, I don't think, understand that enough. The partnership? Yeah, correct. Mm. In bowling, you, you work with partnerships. You, you, and, and building pressure and creating scoreboard pressure, it's fine that, you know, in the end, you look like you've bowled the out, perfect outswing and you nix it. But, you know, there could have been a 40-ball build-up to that mm. where they weren't getting runs, so they reached one a bit wider or, or tried to hit it a bit harder. And that brings around brings about the opportunity for a dismissal. So... Yeah, I think that combination of the four we have at the moment, it's like Stark yesterday was near unplayable. Yeah. Near unplayable. But every 10, 12 balls, he was going to get a wicket. The way, just how he attacked the stumps and attacked the batsmen on the areas where you could see they were a little bit hesitant yeah. whether they went forward or back. It was just brilliant what he did yesterday. Chris in Point Cook, between chucking it and playing on dust bowl wickets for 80% of your career, I'm not copying Murali on top of that list. Jimmy Anderson will play until 70 and take Murali's <laughs> record. Lion Stockball is legitimately volatile, says this text to lots of revs, especially the top spin. So I love the fact we can come in here the morning after a test and you cut right to the chase. Now, the pitch yesterday... Borderline dangerous. Well, I'm interested to see what the ICC says. Before you speak any further on this, this is Pat Cummins, the Australian captain. How the how the wicket broke up relatively savagely on day four. Yeah, it's it's probably a bit more than you ideally want on a day four wicket. Um, but you know, there's a lot of cricket before that to set up the game. So um, 
yeah, we're playing a lot of wickets where it's really flat and Philly Boots is a batter. Um, and, you know, here, yeah, potentially second innings for both teams was more difficult than first. But as you saw, there's plenty of runs to be got out there. Now, obviously, that's Pat Cummins, the Australian captain. Now, obviously, between the two of us, I am a mere novice. I only go from the outside of what I see. And it would appear to me that the curators and the people who prepare these wickets face a very, very high degree of difficulty. In fact, a very narrow hit zone between too boring and flat a road, which is what they identified as being the case in the last Perth test, for lack of a better phrase, and then providing the entertainment, but at the danger of tipping off into the farcical. Uh, it would appear to be a very narrow hit zone. I mean, am I, am I being too kind? Am I being too lenient? And, and was the pitch that was prepared there just... Uh, did Australia's dominance maybe save us from something that would have been a bigger talking point? I, I think that was too worn and too unpredictable for a day four pitch. And you know, when you saw you know, television cameras honing in on certain areas, you thought, gee whiz, you know, day four, we've got that. I'm not sure whether it was even equipped for day five. Mm. You know, and probably, how do I justify that? Um, Ball's keeping low, I, I say, okay, that's just you know, um, mother nature having its way. When balls are dangerous, that's my problem. And they rear so up. I, I have no problem with the ball lifting uh, out of the norm, but not lifting to an extent of a foot and a half to two foot, well, that it was going to hit you in the hip and then near hit you in the throat. There was a couple that sailed over Alex Carey at the back. Yeah, you know, so th- those sort of things. You know, when you see a world-class batsman in Mr. Marsh – it hit twice on the helmet by a guy bowling 123 kilometres an hour. And one of them, he fair him, he missed it by a metre and a half. Yeah. That's how, how it shot off the pitch and, and obviously shot off one of the, the, the plates that had become a bit looser on the, because of the cracks. Mm. You know, I, I just don't think, I don't think that's acceptable. Give us your feedback on that uh, if you share a similar view. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Phil's in uh, Clyde North on a different matter altogether. Welcome to you, Phil. Yeah, g'day, lads. A uh, couple of things. I just want to mention, um, found myself in Caron Bounds last night looking for something to eat, and I looked across the road to Uncle Drew's Pizza. <laughs> Tell <laughs> did, did not even know the result of the race. I went in there, I mentioned the, uh, the 10% discount that he said, and um, yeah, they told me he won it, and the, the trophy was sitting there proudly on the bench counter. So, good Fantastic. on him. So, so what about this, Phil? The weekend he wins the Phoenix, he's in there still pumping out of wines. He was. I'm pretty sure I saw him jump in the delivery van as well. What a, what a man. What a man. A million dollars richer and he's still back at work. I love mm. it. Good on you, Phil. Phil, what did you order? And I dare I ask, was it was it any good? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was all right. It passed the test. So good. It was, it was all right. I got the, the, the lot and the uh, half-half with the barbecue meat lovers. Oh, but, um, I, I wanted to mention uh, Morley as well. Yeah, like, I, I reckon he's. You talk about his action. His action was illegal originally when it was the five degrees, and and they had to change it. And I thought they changed it for him at the time, but when you look back, and they say a lot of the fast bowlers were were above that five degrees as well, and they they had to change it, or they were going to be getting rid of a lot of bowlers. So for me, what there's more of an asterisk with. How many games he played against Bangladesh and a few mm. of the minnows? That's, that's probably the main asterisk for me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Phil. And a few of those texts coming through as as well. I mean, Daryl Hare, the umpire who no-balled him famously at the G over and oh. over again. 
Remember getting that? death threats about that for oh. ages, wasn't he? Oh. He was hounded. That was extraordinary. Terrorised. You got you got very little support from here, which yeah. that was the that was the well, actually, interesting. You know, it's that long ago. You sort of you know, it's probably a, a bit of a distant memory, but you know, I, I remember the day he stuck the arm out first, and no one sort of knew what was going on. Oh yeah. And they were asking, and he, you know, he had to sort of say, "No, no, it was because your your arm's bent." Yeah, it was. That was big news, wasn't it? He'd be a good chat, wouldn't he, Daryl? Here, oh, so he's seventy. I just don't look. He's seventy one now. Hmm. He'd be a good chat. Go down memory lane with him, wouldn't it? Yeah. And those days are now long gone, aren't they? The, yeah. We we have the the neutral umpires now mm. as well, which that also was a factor as well in the eyes of some. Uh, Phil getting the lot there. Is there a, a bigger Aussie pizza tradition than just going in and saying, "I'll have the lot." Supreme, Aussie. Aussie. Oh, yeah. I had a mate who used to order an Aussie no egg. Get your head around no that. No egg. So that's not an Aussie. That's just a, that's that's just meat on a pizza. <laughs> just the <laughs> shredded ham, and that's and it. No, it didn't even have cheese. cheese. The, the Aussie doesn't have cheese. The Aussie's just the ha- shredded ham in the egg, isn't it? No, no, it's got cheese. Has it? Yeah, I'm not sure it does. It's got cheese. Oh no, we're getting off topic. This is this is now the uh, now we're going down to the. Where you have a server with chips. Disgraceful order, the Aussie. You just don't order it. Uh, SEM breakfast for Melbourne Airport parking. Nothing beats Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. Mushroom, onion, Book online. That's not the Aussie. No, I know, but I'm thinking of the one I like best. Oh, okay. Summer and country racing. uh, You want to visit country.racing.com. Back after this. I don't mind pizza for brekkie. Summer Breakfast on SEN. All right, well, I'm going to ask you about Bill Belichick a little bit later on in the show. Ask me whatever you want and I'll the, give you the answer. Patriots getting I'll give a, you an honest answer as I always do. Patriots getting a good old-fashioned pumping at the moment. Uh, 27-10. 27-10. Uh, start of the fourth by uh, Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Frank's uh, in Coburg and he's on the line with us. How are you, Frankie? Good morning, Sam. Uh, how are you, boys? Yeah, good, Frank. Well, good, Frank. What's on your mind? Uh, I can't believe that there's not one mention of last Saturday night, one of the biggest, hardest races in the Dominion final, staged in Albion Park, won by Green Dixon on a horse called Leap to Fame. What a race, what a call by uh, Barsby, first ever call, and not one mention on this show or anywhere. Well, I we can't ap- believe it. We apologise, Frank. We apologise, Frank. We apologise, but yes, Leap to Fame, it was at Brisbane's Inter Dominion final. Saturday night, Scoo. Did you? I'm not apologising to Frank. Why not? I didn't watch it. Well, it's, but neither did I. But Frank did, and he's passionate well, about it. Good. And I'm sure JJ would have watched it. He's our resident harness man. We've still got an hour and a half to go. How's Frank? No, we weren't going to mention it in the next hour and a half. Frank, how did you know that? Were we going to mention it, Scoop? Yeah. Were we? Yeah. Oh, there you go, Frank. Scoop had planned on mentioning it in the, in the last 90 minutes of our show this morning. <laughs> That's all right. I'll forgive you, mate. But the horse called Larry, nicknamed Larry, will be one of the best wins I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to have a look at it on the internet right now, Frank. There you go. Good on you, Frank. Uh, The owner was Kevin Seymour. He said afterwards, to win this race in front of this town uh, crowd and do it with Grant and Trista, which uh, is just so special. Um, And he was pretty emotional too in the aftermath. And he said uh, Leap to Fame was the horse that he and his wife Kay had been dreaming of for 50 years in harness racing. Talking like of 50 you years, I mean, you haven't quite reached 50 yet, but the guy who's robbed you of cheese on your Aussie pizza all of your life. Yeah, well, I never ordered are, it. Are but... you going to go back to him and say, mate, you owe me 
X per pizza yeah. I ate that you never put cheese on it? How's this text? Sam, jump in the bin, mate. Aussie <laughs> pizza is fine. Of course it has cheese. Otherwise, the topping will fall off and you've got to chuck some pineapple on it too. We'll leave the pineapple off. But that's exactly what did happen. The topping did always fall off. It always looked over my mate eating his pizza and the ham was going everywhere because that's all it was. Mate, what are you gonna, are Tomato you, are base. Are going to go back to the guy who's robbed you of cheese for probably... 25 to 30 years of your life and front him? I, I'll front. You need to front him. I'll front him for making Aussie pizza in the first place. My wife orders a vegetarian with salami, <laughs> says this text. <laughs> How good is that? Yeah, I, I think we... <laughs> well, I was keeping an eye on that. There's f-ing something going horrible down there. A vegetarian <laughs> with salami. That's, that's brilliant. Like, I, I, um, I'm cooking. Christmas. I'm cooking a ribeye and I'm cooking a brisket. Oh, you've told me about this. This is your yeah, eight-bone ribeye. Yeah, any brisket. Oh. I'm right with the ribeye. Any people with any suggestions on how I cook how the brisket? Co- what are you cooking it in? Please let me know because I just don't know. What are you cooking it in? Barbecue. Your Weber? Yeah. Right. The old I think school I've got to cook it for like eight hours. All right, we need some brisket advice. And, and, you, they're, they're... and you'd go really hot first up and you get it going and then you turn it right down. And I think it's all wrapped in foil while you're doing it. Well, we, well, I just need to know. Luke Silk, the Silkinator, when we discussed brisket with him last oh, week, I a mean, lot of text, a lot of text. So there are a lot of people who know a lot about mm, brisket that yeah. listen. Well, I need to know. So I have eaten with Luke now for 30-odd years and he's never cooked me a piece of brisket. <laughs> have you got your tree up yet, by the way? Yes. Good. A real one? Yeah. It's on a bit of an angle. Did you find anything? No, no, not a real one. Not a real one? No, no. Oh, come on. No, no. What? Come on. What? What? Not a real one? No. Fake? Well, it's a real one, as in, it's Christmas. Fake. It's a Christmas tree. A real one, out of the earth. Oh, you're taking them out of the earth, are you? Well, that's what happens. Trees that's what happens earth. with a real tree. You go to a Christmas that's what tree. You're getting at that I was no good for the you know the hole in the ozone layer. And <laughs> let's be natural, like all my other friends out at Seddon. The reason I and, ask, and you just ripped down a pine tree, you, so you could you know Merry Christmas. Just we've got to get to world. the news, right? But I've found all sorts of things in my trees <laughs> over the years: spiders, bugs, everything. What I've never found. <laughs> Is a family in Kentucky had their tree set up for a couple of days, right? Got it level, flat, decorated it all, lights are on, it's all up and she she's away, and then they discover that there's an owl in there. An owl pokes its head out. An owl in the tree. Woo-woo, woo-woo, at night. <laughs> What's that? There's a bloody owl in the tree. <laughs> there you go. Coxie, you've got to get that. You've made- Weather update. Shut up. We're moving along. City power, supply power domes in the CBD and in the suburbs. 16 degrees. We're headed for a top of 28. Time for a news update. We're getting to McCafe as well. That's a pretty poor owl, isn't it? But imagine that. Imagine finding an owl in your tree. I still can't get over the fact you don't have a real tree. You're a man of the land. You're a farmer. Yeah, that's lifelong. That's different. God, Coxie. Why do you pander to him? Come on. He gives you stick all morning and you're just at his beck and call. Makes me sick. He's left, lifted the great man. Coxie has lifted. That's him. Uh... Oh, he's just slow at first out, wasn't he? He's just getting oh. his head. When he has his extra sleep in because the NFL is just a little bit, not quite sharp off yeah. the top. 
Um, best pizza ever, says Tim. Vegetarian with meatballs and satay <laughs> sauce. Oh, come on. That is, he says that's superb. That is anything but superb. Uh, morning, boys, says Paul uh, in Wellard. Uh, Gilly, uh, Adam Gilchrist, on yesterday's coverage said that the curator took an extra bit of grass off the top to help the pitch break up more than it did last year. Last year, it was a road for five days. Only the fourth test on that drop-in wicket, so they are still experimenting with it. The old drop-ins, are they've got to be harder to prepare, don't they, Scoop? Because the characteristics wouldn't be consistent year upon year with, that we would often see with the SCG or we see with the Gabba mm. or we see what we saw with the Wacker back in the day. Wacker always used to crack. Yeah, but not in a, not in a, I don't recall it being dangerous like that though, was it? It used to be long, snaky cracks, not, these go into plates. That was more sideways. Removable plates. Yeah. Um, and Wacker was never, in my time, never got to a level where it was, um, you know, the, the, the times, all the years I went to the Wacker commentary-wise, you know, the, the pitch was never, you know, what, as dangerous as what I saw yesterday. Spiro cooks some plenty of brisket up in Alice Springs. Now, Spiro says, rub the brisket with your choice of spice. Put the meat on a rack in a baking tray with some stock in the tray. Wrap the tray in foil, eight to ten hours. Give it heat at the end, and you're away. Eight to ten hours. Eight to ten hours. Can you do that the day before? Duke, brisket when done, leave it in foil to rest. Wrap in a towel. Put it in an esky for two hours. Helps the meat relax and fall apart. But then how do you, what do you do with the warmth then? You give it a... It'll keep the, keep the warmth, I would think. Keep the warmth? I'm in season with olive oil, salt, pepper, throw in a couple of sliced onions, double foil for five hours on low heat, 150 degrees, Ross and Mildura. I don't know. Brisket's a slippery slope. It seems as though it's a can of worms. Everyone's got a theory. Everyone's got a recipe. There's a million different ways to do it. Getting maybe, a, maybe a don't feedback from it. your owl. Mm. People are thinking there's a confusion with the owl with the pigeon. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> There's a bit of pigeon about it, isn't it? The brisket, cook low and slow, 120 degrees until the internal temp is 95. Should probe like butter. If you're smoking, leave it unwrapped for the first four hours and then wrap tightly in four. Wrap in old towels and rest in the esky. Another rest in the esky. For a few hours. Can take 12 hours or more depending on the size. The esky's well, coming. I'm going to be about five kilos. So I went to the butcher yesterday and I said, What's a brisket? One, look how big's it come. Yeah. And, and he said, no. Well, it, and he put it on the weighing machine, on the scales, and it was about nearly eight kilos. But he said, no, I'll be trimming off probably two and a half to three kilos of unwanted stuff off the brisket. So he said, you'll, you'll end up with approximately five kilos to cook. So there's a fair bit of prep to do then before you... Oh, for the butcher. Oh, right. Not for you. Yeah, no, no. He then, that, that right. brisket there. So he showed me yesterday a a whole brisket. Oh, it was massive. Right. Massive. Never gone down the brisket path myself either. So we're both learning something this morning. You can get involved on the 40 Wings Temper. They've got the all-new Temper Pro. Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. And, Coxie, we might need a, a legitimate owl sound effect to see how far away from that I actually was. And maybe a pigeon as well. I mean, I'm... I think we've got to compare. We'll compare the pair. Temper a mattress like no other. We'll be back. (laughs) Oh, you're hilarious. We'll be back after this on Summer Brekkie. We'll straighten up again, I promise. (laughs) 
Summer Breakfast on SEN. Comfort me, ripcord. It's ripcord. Ripcord and now Munamek. Munamek has got there. Oliver's got the run. The racing gods have spoken. It's gold, gold, gold at Ascot. Ollie goes out a winner in the gold rush. The racing gods have spoken and they spoke for much of Damien Oliver's magnificent career and 35 years in the saddle ended in stunning fashion. Munamek there you heard for Damien Oliver at 51 years of age at Ascot Racecourse in Perth on Saturday. One of three winners winners in his final three races, mm. Scoop. Absolutely extraordinary. Unbelievable. So we thought we'd bring in a heavy hitter to discuss a heavy hitter. The host of Giddy Up, Gareth Hall, is with us. Hawley. Semi-Scoop, yeah. It was one of the most... Oh. Um, it was one of the most um, amazing three or four hours in racing across all three codes, but Ollie just stole the show. It was the, the best fairy tale ending in a sporting career that I've ever seen, really. And I was at the Meadows hosting Racing.com's coverage for the, the Phoenix. Telgy. Yeah, Telgy. And that's, a, that's another brilliant story in <laughs> itself. And I was trying to watch the Ascot races from the corner of my eye. Um, and then it was on the big screen behind me. And the roar there at the Meadows that went up when Ollie – burst through the centre. Um, I think that would have been the scene right across all of the pubs and clubs across the nation and definitely at Ascot. I've talked to a lot of people who are at that race, who are at the races there at Ascot on Saturday, including Darren McCauley, who called the action. He said in his time he's never seen anything like it there mm. at Ascot. Wow. Maybe Kingston Town in the 80s when he arrived there, but it was the best day at a racetrack for many of the race goers that turned up there to watch Ollie in his final race appearance and he couldn't have. It was it was astonishing to see what happened then. It's a, it's a. I don't know how we sort of questioned that it wouldn't happen because Ollie well, during his career, yeah. he always when you least expect something special to happen, he does something special. It was like I went through his his performances in the West when he arrived there for his send off. So he missed Railway Stakes Day, so he had three weeks of the Pinnacles to to ride winners and go out on a high. By the time he had his last three races to come, and he was on a couple of favourites there, mm. or one favourite and a second favourite, his record wasn't flash. He had 13 rides for just the two placings, and one of those was on San Fabrizio earlier on in the, that, that Saturday. And he had two pretty well-fancied horses for the Superstar Stable, and a Grant and Alana Williams, and they both were out the back and never really looked like winning. So you thought to yourself, well... Maybe just maybe it won't be. Maybe this is just not all his send off that we all dreamt of. Um, and then listen to the names of the horses that he rode in his last three races. Divine Belief kicked it all off, and it never looked like getting beat. It travelled sweetly for David Harrison and raced away. And then he rode one for S.J. Miller, his great mate Stephen Miller, a horse by the name of Magnificent Andy. Now S.J. Miller was the train is was one of the great jockeys in the West. Yep. And when Oliver rode his first ever winner, S.J. Miller finished second in that race. So it was fitting that they combined on his final day. And we all thought that would be it. And then he's riding on Mudamek. You had to see it to believe it. It was only Ollie could pull it off. And you even saw the head-on of the steward's vision. Like he took runs that you didn't think would ever open up. And they opened up for Ollie on that particular mm. occasion. It was such a brave ride to cut the corner. It was like what William Pike does so well in the West. And he did that. And even the great Darren McCauley, he, 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 he said, well, I, I saw him coming at the 200-metre mark weaving his way through, but when Ripcord hit the front, 
at the 100 metre mark. I didn't think Ollie would get through. And then all of a sudden he appeared from yeah. nowhere. And he wins a race that it, no one will ever forget. It, it was it was interesting that that horse on the outside, which I've forgotten its name, Ripcourt, yeah, no, or, no, or that Ollie came through. Oh, comfort it me! Just started yeah. to stagger at about the yeah. one twenty or thirty, and that just moved off half a horse. And, and you know, Ollie was just in that perfect position to angle Wunamek where he yeah. you know, just just to get him through without too much risk. You know, and I say too much risk. I, I thought. Don't, I must admit, I was saying, don't go there, don't yeah. go there. But, you know, he went there and then, woof, the horse lifted and he thought, wow. Yeah. You know, he's just, um, and you're quite right, you know, he cut the corner, did all the all the things that have made him so great. It was a little bit like what happened there through his toughest period when he won a media puzzle in the Melbourne Cup because he, he, he had several rides on Derby Day, never looked like it. He struggled even in the early part of Melbourne Cup Day, and then he produced one of the great rides on Media Puzzle. So he's got this appetite to really deliver when it counts. So where does he sit? Well, where does, Now that it's all said and done, yeah. where do you reckon he sits in the... Well, he's the greatest of all time. Greatest? Yeah. Unequivocally, you answer that really... Yeah, I th- well, his records suggest yeah. that. I think James McDonald and, and you don't want to take the limelight. This is only my opinion, but mm. I think at the end of James McDonald's career, he'll surpass Ollie. And he's already um, closing on eighty Group One winners, and he's just over thirty. Um, but he might go to he might go to Hong Kong, James McDonald. This so, was yeah. yeah. His, his record speaks for itself, Ollie, over a long period of time. And when he's been like, I never saw Ollie at his at his like when he was at the top of his game. Basically, I think that would have been ten or fifteen years ago, Scoop. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, you know, he he probably has been. Riding softly, for want of a better way of describing it, for five to seven yeah. years now. Mm. Yeah. You know, just sort of getting mm. ready for all this stuff. Yeah. So mid-40s, he sort of said, oh, I'm going to slow yeah. things up a bit here. But where, do, where does life take him next? Well, I think he's going to go into the media and he's going to do a little bit of like part-time work for Entain. I don't know what else Ollie will do. I think mm. he was keen on maybe helping out a few racing stables um, regarding programming because he used to really enjoy that as a, as a rider. He'd get off a horse and say, well, this is a Caulfield Guineas horse or we should go this way to get to a Caulfield Cup. And I think he'll do a little bit of surfing. Mm. Um, he'll do a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of surfing and just relax and sit back. Who knows? He, he might even come out of retirement the way that he <laughs> rode there on Saturday. But um, he will go down as... The greatest at the moment. His his Group One record speaks for itself, and he's one of those jockeys, Ollie. Like everything used to fall out for him. For, like he he used to get the luck when he needed the luck. A bit like what happened there on on Saturday. And to be honest, he's he's had a few ups and downs in his career, and he's the only jockey in history that would have ten thousand dollars on a horse that he raced against and only get eight months for. Him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if that happened today, yeah. we wouldn't be talking about Ollie like we are because he would have got ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, this text so, dropped as well. We were in Crescent Head for a 40th on Saturday. I'm sure you'll get a heap of these stories yeah. on Giddy Up this morning. We were in Crescent Head for a 40th. 15 blokes huddled around an iPhone on the balcony, all backed Ollie. And when he burst through on the line, the balcony erupted. Safe to say it was a big night. I reckon I've watched 20 Melbourne Cups. Yeah. And they say that the, the most important part of a Melbourne Cup is from the 1,000 metre mark to the 600 metre mark, where, where you put your horse in the position to come into the race at the top of the straight with momentum. Um, and the one jockey that stood out more times than any that got their horse into a position of following something to take them in, uh, the guy who was always prominent 
at the corner at Flemington in those 20 Melbourne, sorry, not 20. He rode in 20 of them. Let's say it was in 13 of them. It was Damien Oliver. Yeah. And I think that what sets Damien Oliver apart from his counterparts is that, you know, when the NBA basketballers and fans have that debate, who's better out of LeBron and Michael, it's sort of divided a little bit, probably leading towards more Michael Jordan. And you get that a little bit in cricket. Who's our greatest bowler? Mm. I heard you talking about mm. it this morning. But when it comes to racing, and even you talk about the jockeys who weren't in Ollie's generation and all of his counterparts, and you saw that on social media, from James McDonald to Jamie Carter, Hugh Huey Bowman. Bowman to Glenn Boss to, to Jimmy Cassidy, they all say that D. Oliver's the greatest. And I think that if your counterparts say you're the greatest of all time without hesitation, I don't think you can argue against mm. that because they used to compete against him and – um, yeah, so it was a great night. Well done to um, Talji. That, that yep, was one yep. hell of a story to win that that Phoenix, the, <clears throat> the pizza owner with two dogs and work. And Leap to Fame and Just Believe, two of the great winners of the Inter-Dominion across there in Brisbane or up there in Brisbane. So it was a night to remember for us racing fans. Big weekend for you, Holly, yep. and it's all coming up on Giddy Up over at SEN Track, of told course. Frank we were going to talk about the Inter-Dominion. Yes, you did. I told Frank. Thanks for popping in, guys. Leap to Fame would beat most Gallopers at Flemington. He's that quick pacing. There you go. Yep. Ooh. Gaz, great to have you. Yeah, yeah. We should do that. (laughs) Bet your benchmark 58 to (laughs) Penella. Get involved on the 40 Weeks Timber. The unique bed match profile. Find the right bed for you. 40 Weeks. Little drive off you on the way. 40 Weeks. They're serious about sleep. Summer Breakfast on SEN. Oh, a bit of relief, I suppose. Yeah, it was attention is not my really my my area, um, but um, I understand it's it's been overwhelming. But um, you know, the crowd here at, at Ascot today, you know, what a wonderful reception. It's just you know, a, I think it's the biggest crowd I've seen here, and um, you know, just the the applause and the roar I got for those last three winners, I'll never forget it. Done pretty well to hold it all together there, the great Damien Oliver, who finishes up where it all began at uh, Ascot Racecourse over there in Perth. The last three runners of his career in the saddle came up trumps. Um, a magnificent uh, win as well on Munamek as well that was very well called, I might add, had me mm-hmm. on the edge of my seat. Very nicely done. A um, lot of texts coming through. Love your involvement. 0433981116. The open line one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Coming up to the 8 o'clock news, we've got a few texts saying, any update on Patrick Cripps's knee over at Carlton? Did you see the final training session uh, of the I, year I at Carlton not. on Friday? Absolutely brutal. They were going in like it was grand final day. Full, Good on Full battering, and Paddy Cripps, yeah, came off early with a knee. They immediately dismissed it, but we know that only counts for so much. So we'll await further word if there, word if there is any, but they said uh, just a bit of soreness. He landed awkwardly, and there were no uh, concerns, it would appear anyway, from uh, from those on the ground at Carlton on the day. Uh, headlines, and then we're going to talk some cricket with Ian Healy shortly. Summer Breakfast on SEN. A cricket update for Hejaz Halal Financial Services. Is your money halal? Get halal home loans and investments with Hejaz Financial Services. Well, Australia will take a 1-0 lead over Pakistan in the next week's Boxing Day test after a commanding win in the first test in Perth. It was a 360-run victory inside four days, headlined by David Warner's stunning first-inning century. Nathan Lyon's 500th test wicket, Australian wicket-keeping legend and SEN Queensland's very own Ian Healy is with us. G'day, Heels. Thanks a lot for your time, mate. We appreciate it. 
No, no worries at all. Hey, this test had a lot of talking points coming in from, you know, uh, Usman Khawaja's stance, Warner v. Johnson, all that stuff, but a lot a lot of talking points to come out of it too. What are, The morning after, what do you take out of it, Hills? What are your takeaways? Oh, I just love this team. I think this Australian team's one of the best our country's ever had. Um, and the, they've just got everything covered. Um, and I agree with some of the talking points leading into match, in the match, um, but... That they've really stamped themselves as as a team that can take on any challenge and do very well, um, right from the word go when they won the toss and batted. Hills, there still seems to be an underlying, mm. you know, sentiment that hasn't fully embraced our Australian cricket team for all the success they've had. I I don't think they get the accolades they deserve. What, what do you think? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think that's right. But that takes time, Scoop. You, you know, you're a really average bloke when you started your career, but geez, you mellowed nicely. Um, <laughs> Good. That didn't take long. I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just think uh, that takes time, right? And and when they're about to do it, they got cranky in South Africa and tried. Uh, we're about to do something really silly in South Africa that set them back a long, long way. Um, but now their achievements are just stacking up, aren't they? They're winning the World Test Championship. They're winning World Cups. We we know how hard they are. Well, I don't because I never won one, but, but you, you did. And they're, they're hard. And these folks are doing a lot of good stuff and making it look pretty easy. Um, I just think it needs um, a little bit more time to re-establish themselves in our hearts. You know, the reaction to Mitch Marsh these days is, totally different to five years ago mm. you know they were doing they weren't you know even just be, even before sandpaper gate i'd reckon they they weren't quite you know mellow and humble enough for everyone's liking i would say but no, knowing them and they're, they're good blokes and always have been um it, it should have happened a bit quicker than this a, a former curator and we've all got to start somewhere but just joined the 500 club what do you make of nathan Lyon's yeah. evolution from then until now and what might still be ahead of him oh, he, he just offers his team so much um and then he got 500 wickets as well um wicket taking wasn't his forte when he started but gee, he's developed nicely. He, you know, he was he was a real working class when he started, but he allowed, but he still was pretty economical, um, and that allowed those fast bowlers to mm. operate with more freedom from the other end and still get the job done. Then he's one of the best backward point, if you call him that. You know, cover patrollers the game's ever had. The way he throws himself around the field, and finally he got injured. Like I can't believe. He hasn't been injured before the way he's been in the field, and and you know then he contributes a little bit with with the bat when need when absolutely needs to, and in the dressing room he must be a legend for for uh, Mike Hussey to give him the the responsibility of singing the song. So he just gives this team so much, and, and I'm so happy for him that he's developed his bowling to great lengths. You know he can spin it, he can bounce it in bouncy conditions. He bowls at the right pace when they're playing on the subcontinent, for example, and he's still a handful. Mm. Um, it, he's just—he's a very, very well-rounded uh, team man. And I reckon David Warner is probably very similar in that he's a well-rounded team man. Heels. He sets the the game up for Australia day one, and he—he he, I think fits that category we were initially talking about uh, a little earlier that. 
it, still people won't cut, cut him any slack. You know, the, the, the South African thing seems to be something that's that's just going to ride with him, uh, not only during his playing days, but well beyond. Yeah, it seems to be, Scuba. I, uh, I agree. Um, that 160 he made in the first innings won us a test uh, in Perth. Um, it w- wasn't easy. I looked at it from afar on Thursday afternoon. I was, I was at a Christmas party and I said, oh, gee, I wouldn't like to be Pakistan. That, they are going to feel about a, a foot shorter than they actually are tomorrow afternoon, not knowing how difficult the conditions were and maybe Pakistan missed the trick in the first session bowling too short, but he, I don't know of anyone else, you know, that can make 160 that quick in tough conditions. So I like, I like the way Michael Slater made tough second innings, batting conditions look. Mark Wall could make a mockery out of tough conditions, but David Warner was outstanding. Um, what I loved about him was his durability. We all know how fit he must be because he's maintained his pace um, between wickets. Um, I just... Uh, um, I, I just love the way that he kept he kept going and his feet moved. You, you know, now this is the bit I agree about Mitchell Johnson and what he said. He said that you know why have a swan song? You, you know, your last three years hasn't been very good, and and now you're picking the way you can retire. But if he bats like that, he can he can go another year for mine until he doesn't want to play anymore. But it, you know that's what he's been missing in Test cricket that that footwork and balance and. Real bat speed when he needed it. Should he be man of the match, Heels, just as an aside? I would have put him man of the match. Who did get man of the match? Uh, um, Mitch Marsh. Right. Um, no, well, I mean, depends who, who was selecting it, I suppose, and the eye they have for the game. But, you know, when I found out how difficult those conditions were on day one, and yeah. they took a bit of a punt, and what the commentators had said pre-match about this pitch, who will be great for bowling, um, I would be putting David Warner as man of the match. Yes. Now, I know a lot has been made and said and discussed around uh, Perth's appetite for Test cricket in particular, or, or lack thereof. Now, I'm not sure what you make of this, but as a proud Queenslander, and for so long the Gabba was nailed on as the hosting uh, venue for the first Test. What what did you make of the four days we saw over there? Um, I, I think it's a little bit volatile. You, you know, quite a risky pitch that you can get on the wrong side of a toss. Um, and even though it was moist and green on day one, they have real trouble mate, keeping that moisture in the pitch. And then it cracks up way too early. It cracks up on day three when, you know, it, the Aussies were having trouble and the up and down bounce and, and hitting the body, taking a few on the body. And, you know, when you hear batsmen sort of say, well, you need a little bit of luck and, and you take a few on the body and you, you might get through. Now, that is day five stuff. Um, I just think they've got to find a way to retain moisture in that pitch, maybe not put so much in first, and, and retain moisture so that it's a more trustworthy surface. Um, I think the Gabba is a, is a wonderful... I, I don't really... You know, I, I think the Gabba is the most trustworthy surface you can start a season on. It, it bounces, it seems, it can swing if it's humid, and the spinners can bowl OK on it. And the batsmen make runs on it. So I just think um, Perth over the weekend was a little too volatile, probably for everyone's liking. Heels, um, going from Perth Test Match to Test Match cricket in general, is there going to be six or eight Test-playing nations in five years' time or is there going to be three, Mm. possibly four? 
Well, um, I think uh, well, there was a bit worrying that I heard uh, Todd Greenberg uh, had spoken on one of the coverages on the radio uh, this weekend saying the the next edition of the IPL is going to be very disrupted, disruptive to the Future Tours program. So, and everyone seems to think it's going to happen. This this is going to happen where players will ask their IPL franchises for a knock statement, a no objection um, document to go and play test cricket. So it's going to reverse right around, too many people are saying. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it will be a real test for a few nations whether they really want to play cricket and then they want to you know, afford to play test cricket you know, because you need a pathway, you need, you need uh, good development, investment, and, and um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking probably a top six maybe, Scoot, rather than, rather than top four. Let's try to keep it to as many as we can. And I think that's where people underestimate the, the effect of nations not playing test cricket. I mean, you, know, you, you talk of pathways. It, it'll affect the actual participation in cricket worldwide, which can't be good for the sport. No, it's, well, not as we know it, right? So we've just got to, uh, is, this, is the test version of our sport the one that people are voting with their feet to go and watch? You know, that Perth crowd didn't convince me that, that you know, and you think, well, okay, well, they get 50,000 to a Big Bash game. Maybe it's maybe this isn't the format of the game that we, we should value as highly as we do in Australia. Um, so I just, and then do you base it on, do you base it on money all the time? You know, it's, it's the real skill in cricket to play that game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think, you know, there may be some work to do in this space that, to, to maintain pathways, to, to, uh, coach T20 cricket as well as, uh, the other format, uh, differently, and to sort of prepare nations for the games they're going to bring. It's a, yeah, it's a really vexing situation that our boards will be um, sort of discussing, I bet. Now, Heels, before we let you go, you wore the gloves for Australia for a long, long time, kept to some of the finest bowlers Australia has ever produced who are capable of the extraordinary. Now, given I'm and sitting... Diamond. Yes, well, yes, exactly. But, you know, as, as he admits readily, he's the father of the slower ball and it was absolutely yeah. brilliant from time to time. And we talk about the Johnny Bracewell dismissal all the time. I mean, as someone who kept to Scoob, did you know when he was going to just lift that little index finger just a fraction and just confuse the bejesus out of the world's best batsman? Oh, not really. And, and I didn't have to because I still had time for it to come to me, you know, for it to deceive <laughs> me and for it to come through to me. Um, but no, That's no, true. it was, I, I quite often, I quite often state that we haven't got our slow balls as good as, you know, the mid 80s again. I think the slow balls five years ago were really good and deceptive, you know, pace off short balls, uh, lo- looping uh, shorter balls that go through to the keeper still. I, I just think we can get a little bit more deception. And I think our bowlers will. Uh, that's the next uh, ev- you know, next movement in cricket. Our, our bowlers will get a little bit more deception again. I think Scoob and Steve War and whoever whoever they taught about the, our looping slow balls um, had had the jump on the batsman. The batsman after that caught up. The bowlers then went to Yorkers better with the, the likes of McGrath and 
the Pakistanis and the South Africans and the West Indies. So, and I think the batsmen are just ahead at the moment. So I think I'm expecting to see some deception come back into bowling um, and uh, and execution. They're missing their mark mm. a little bit too much. Um, where you know the last ten year ten overs by our Australian team were so dependable. You know Simon, Steve Waugh, Craig McDermott, and his Yorkers and slow balls. Very very dependable and hard to get away at that stage. So I'd love to see our bowling attacks get back to that. Heels, always great to have your insights. And uh, a Merry Christmas to you as well. Really appreciate your time this morning. You're welcome. Happy Christmas to you guys too. Heels. Yes. Sam appreciates your time a little more than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Good on you, Goob. Look forward to catching up, buddy. See you, mate. That was our cricket update with Ian Healy. All thanks to Halal Home Loans Investments and Superannuation with Hejaz. Let's get to this man. Summer Breakfast on SEM. Questions without notice. The Gazman. Make this Christmas a Gazman Christmas. And right now, enjoy 25% off polos and shorts. Yes, you can. That's what I did last week. Scoob went in there and got a couple of new threads from Gazman. Magnificent. You said that. Yeah. Get any gifts while you're in there or just stuff for you? No, just stuff for me. No, I've got, I'm remarkably organised this year. Have you got all your presents? I've got one to go. One to go. Yep. It'll be Bex, I'm sure. That's the only one I get. <laughs> One to get and one to go. Yeah, Beck does the others. Questions without notice. Thanks to our friends at Gazman. How about the I work know life? She got me. She sent me a photo. What is it? What's she getting me? What is it? I can't say. Why not? People know. What She'll about be the... upset that I know? What about the work life balance of Graham Wright and that's been bestowed upon him by the She's Collingwood Football boots. Club and what they've allowed him to do? So a fifty-five-year-old who's the head of football at, at the Premier after 35 straight years involved in football, will actually take leave as the head of football from football from March until September. Yep. So the entire season, he, w- he won't be here. Given time to travel with, uh, with his wife yep. uh, to the States and to Europe, his wife, Tracy. Reconnect. Uh, awesome. I mean, good, good on him. Good luck to him. Certainly well-deserved. But, geez, the head of football missing the football season is not something you see very often. Might not have ever seen it, to be honest. Good opportunity for the... Second head of football. Yes, well, whoever comes who in. Who the head of football. Collingwood are yet to decide on his replacement, which will be interim, but uh, he's leaving the club, you know, not to say it runs itself, oh, but it's I in a very, very strong could position. Could I apply for that? Oh, why not? Throw your hat in the ring. Do they, do, do what they would have your a deputy head of football? What would your qualifications in, in, be? No, just a serious question as I What's work out weakness? whether I'm going to apply or not. Do they have already have a deputy head of football? Uh, no, they're talking about appointing someone on an interim basis. Oh, I'd do it for 12 months. Now, they might appoint from within, but they might go external. Who would I send my CV to? I reckon. Ned? Yes. Craig Kelly? Of course. As the chief executive, I'd I'd reckon that's what you need to do. Yeah, I I think I'd look good in the magpie get up and... Black? Having a couple of press conferences. No comment, no comment, no comment, no comment. Uh, This was Graham Wright (laughs) over the weekend on stepping away for a season at the Pies. Oh, yeah, for probably two or three years. Um, certainly back to the COVID year, really. Um, uh, when I resigned from Hawthorne, I thought I'd uh, probably be having a break, but uh, uh, the opportunity came to, to come here and, um, you know, it was really, really tough 2021. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been a great you know, few years here.
Now, the phone will be on, he said. I'm available as a consultant should Ned need me or anyone at Collingwood. They can only pick up. You do hope the phone's not going to be ringing. Hopefully, they have another smooth ear for his sake and the phone's not ringing every second week. He was asked if this is a sign. Well, mate, have you, have you burned out have you, are you at the yeah. end of your tether? And this is what uh, Graham Wright had to say. I don't feel like I'm burnt out or anything. I, I just feel like I, I wanted a break. And um, when you get to the back end of the year and you're involved in list management, recruiting and those sorts of things, and um, it becomes a really long year. But um, I'm sure with Christmas I would have bounced back okay. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the grind is the, the fact that, you know, the phone's never off and um, emails keep coming and um, there's always something going on in the game that you, that you need to be across and be aware of and make sure that our, our, our club's covered and... Um, uh, you know, and that we're in a strong position. So, that it, yeah, that there is, it is a long year for uh, a lot of people in footy. And I think we, which was in the press release that Ned and Jeff had put out as well, that, you know, we're, we're hopeful of leading the way in, in this area where we can give some people, you know, um, time out from, from time to time. Um, whether that, and certainly from a coaching and a coaching aspect, it, it's a real grind as well. But our, our people put in a lot of time and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it is a grind. Um, but, yeah, that's that's not the sole reason. It was something I, I wanted to do. So I need to say, I mean, huge kudos to Collywood. I don't want to be sickly with it. But, I mean, for Jeff Brown as the president, though, no, and Craig Kelly as, as the CEO, and they, they get their wax from time to time as they should. But to allow their head of football to have the season off, I think is incredible. Craig McRae, you'll remember, came back late from his mm. um, from Harvard or wherever he was over the off-season to resume training. The players had started training before he got back. So... That's an enormous—I don't know what you would even call it—show of faith in their in their collective organisation. That look, the world will keep turning if the head of football goes away, and it would be immensely difficult and demanding job. And they've let him go for the entire footy That's season because they've got Ned. Elaborate. Because he's so skilled in all yep. those areas. You know. Oh, you all think he's going to do it? So Ned just—no, <laughs> I'm telling you, Ned. No problem, head of football, Ned. No problem, you know. Craig McRae, he had success with Mansfield when he coached. Yeah, he just take training. No, that's the that's the beauty of Ned. What would you? What are you going to offer them when you ring him up this afternoon? Well, and- my, I was going to give you a question without notice. How long into the interview do you think Collingwood would go with me before they shut it down and told me to please leave the premises? I don't think there'll be an interview, to be honest. What? I don't think there'll You're be. You're going to get in the door. I think there'll be a, a polite. I, I don't think there'll be a phone call. What? I'd be very be, surprised. I should turn this on loud, my phone, just to... There'll be a well, screening, nothing, I reckon. Nothing as yet. Uh, we've got some prizes to give away, too, the remainder of the show. If you want to join us, got a bataki. Simply wouldn't be Christmas without a bataki I could walk hand. in with a bataki of the interview and give it to the interviewer. Or the $100 Gazman voucher, which I've got here as well. That's a gift from us to you. Treat Gazman yourself to summer-style Gazman. You can pick that up on the way down. And we've got an Albert Park Mini Golf Family Pass for the school holidays as well, if you've got some little ones that you need to keep busy. one 736 You are done. The 40 Wings temper 0433 The news headlines are upon us. We'll continue some questions of that notice on the other side. And he comes. Ashraf hit on the pad. An appeal. An appeal. The umpire looks. He says no. Lion pleading on his knee. Pleading. They are again going upstairs. Drama around Nathan Lyon's potential 500 test wickets. Has he got 500 test wickets? He does. So I recommend to reverse. 12 and a half years after his first test wicket of Kumar Sangakkara. 
Nathan Lyon joins Shane Warne and Glenn McGrath as Australian Test cricketers with 500 Test wickets. That was the moment beautifully called by Adam White too, I might add, uh, for SEN Cricket over the weekend. Nathan Lyon, the third Australian only uh, member of the 500 club. Tony's in Craigieburn. How are you, Tone? G'day, guys. How are you going? Good, what's, on your, what's on your mind, Tone? Look, I have a question for, for... Well, I've got two questions, actually. The first one is, what are, what are we thinking about this year's Test Series against West Indies and Pakistan? I think we're heading towards a very one-sided contest. And my second one is to you, Simon. Um, the pitch in Perth. Um, it, I think it was a little bit too um, tricky, I think. I mean, you've got a, a pace ball, a pace ball going 123 kilometres an hour, hitting an informed Mitch Marsh on the on the helmet. Just don't know whether you know, Perth is a test venue. Um, the pitch raising a few questions. Definitely. I think that I agree with you completely, Tony, on the pitch. I, I think it was um, uh, not up to... Uh, I don't mind, you know, pitches changing just through wear and tear, um, but when they get dangerous like that did, as quick as that did, I, I think um, you have questions that need to be need to be answered. I think Pakistan will be better in the next two test matches. Do you? Yeah, I do. I, I think Melbourne and Sydney and having that game now under their belt will uh, make for a better test matches in both venues, not as bouncy, not as seamy. Uh, so I, I do think Pakistan, you know, after day one, Pakistan weren't too bad, you know, for a couple of days. And then obviously they, they fell away in their, in the final innings of the test match. But, you know, that that's sort of to be expected, if you like, um, when you when you saw what the pitch was doing and, and how difficult it was for the Australian top order to, uh, to be making runs in the third inning. So... I, I think they'll be they'll be better. So Tony, I think Melbourne and Sydney we're going to see a couple of good Test matches. Gee whiz, I'm not sure where we're at with the West Indies. That's you're worried that's about a, that's that a difficult mm-hmm. one to to um to bring an end to our Test summer. I'm not sure where we're going to be there. Thanks for call, Tony. I'll flick you the Batoki. It simply wouldn't be Christmas without a Batoki am. Thanks for taking the time to to push the buttons and give us a call. Just before we get to the break and tell G on the other side, which I'm looking forward to. When are the Big Bash? When are the BBL? going to be brave enough to schedule a, a match on Christmas Day, do you think, if ever? I don't You don't think they should? No. No. So the NBL have doubled down. They've got a double header this year. The BBL have flirted with it for a long time. I was going back. They were talking about it in 2016. They've had a Christmas Eve game for a while down at Hobart. They've actually gone further away, if anything, because there's no Christmas Eve game this year. The Hurricanes are playing on the 23rd instead. So I'm not sure if it was player pushback, maybe, that the reason they haven't done it. I reckon it would be a massive hit, though, ratings-wise. Do you? Play, take, your, take your spikes off. If you're watching, you're watching it, aren't you? Surely by 7.15 on a, at the end of a long Christmas day, feed up, you're watching it. You, you know, I don't think I am, but you know, the kids might. I reckon it would be a ratings bonanza. Oh, I'd be, I'd be still grazing. Well, of course. You, can, you can't do two things at once. And- Making sure I don't swallow the five or ten cent piece. Yeah, you don't want to follow, uh, swallow the thruppence. No, I don't want to swallow it. No, gee, I, I like keeping Chrissy Day as Chrissy Day. Do you? I'm a bit of an old traditionalist in By that By seven manner. o'clock at night, surely you're ready for... Oh, we're still humming at seven. <laughs> well, yeah, I okay. start we... dancing in the kitchen till eight. <laughs> All right, I ask a serious question and I get a... No, that's a serious answer. My Christmas Day, you cook all morning, you ch- sit yeah, around, I get it, chat, I know how it works. Then you eat. <laughs> 
I know, I know then, how Christmas you know, you, works. You, you lob in a bit of a game or just sit around yeah. and chat some Thank more. Thank you. I know that. Then, you know, you start to get a little merry and, you know, you start. You know, You'd be a napper. Turn the music You'd up. You'd be a, a napper. Though. Never a napper. Oh. You look forward to the day that much. Why do you want to sleep half it off? Because you're so food. You're, you're so full. You're in a food coma. Yeah, well, just sit down and drink something that gives you a bit of spice. You have yep. a can of Coke. Boom, lifts you again. And then a bit of Big Bash to lift you into the Off night. you go, a bit more plum pudding with a bit of ice cream, <laughs> another 15 cents comes your way. Yes, he had breakfast. Then you get the scraps from, you know, you warm it up and the crispy potatoes and a bit of turkey, a bit of ham, a bit of beef, a bit of brisket, put some gravy over the top of it and you're off again, running. SEM Why Breakfast. Sleep. The most important day of the year is sleep. Powered by Kubota for more than 40 years. They've been... No, that's sad. <laughs> it's on Australia. Oh, God. Let's get to a break. We'll get back to Telgi on the other side. Summer Breakfast on SEM. Well, Scoob, you'll remember, last week Talji told us that he'd waited all of his life for a dog like Scalacci, and then at the weekend at the Meadows, at the world's richest greyhound race, the Phoenix Talji, the pizza shop owner watched as that dog Scalacci, as a $23 outsider, I might add, won in a memorable victory to secure the $1 million winner's check. And Telji, he was straight back to work. We just got told that uh, earlier on in the program, but he joins us on the line this morning. Telji, thanks for your time, mate, and huge congratulations from us. What a weekend it must have been for you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, Happy to be with you again today, and uh, thanks for your support. I really appreciate it. Telji, you knew the planets were aligning. The moment Ollie won the last at Ascot. That's it. You knew you were home, didn't you? <laughs> you know, you know what, Simon. Um, I was at the track and I was sitting there with all my family and friends, and I thought to myself, "Geez, Ollie, I wonder how many wins he's had." And I sort of looked at my phone on the TAB website and, and seen that he rode <laughs> the third last, second last winner. And I thought, and I always wanted to back him in the last. And I thought, oh, I've got to quickly get on. It's five minutes to go. And I said to all my mates on the table, today, hey, get on Ollie's horse in the last." And we all backed it and we all cheered it at home, you know, and we're just so happy for him. And yeah, and it was just unbelievable, unbelievable. Awesome. What take us through the race itself? How did it? How did it play? Did it play out as you expect? Because I know you would have, you know, you would have preferred a, a better box than what you got. How did it actually play out for those that missed it? Well, it's funny because at the box draw, um, I was the fifth one called out, and all my mates that were with me, my brother, and they said, "Oh, if you get called out um, and you sort of get in the middle of the boxes." take box eight but I didn't want box eight because everyone sits on the fence and screams and yells and then mm. it sort of upsets the dog um when I seen that postman's pat drew the four and I know he likes to go to the fence and I was the fifth one out I thought I've got to take box five so we took box five and just yeah and I knew I'd get that little bit of room because well she's fast the champion dog that she is she's not overly quick out but she does muster after she gets out and I thought if I jump on terms with him, I can just get through and get around that first bend. And his second split's unbelievable. Um, he could break him up, and um, and that's what he did. And, mate, I, you've got to have a look at the footage behind the boxes. I was absolutely screaming and um, just so excited and, and nervous at the time. But, yeah, just the euphoria took over, the excitement took over, the nerves. The nerves took over, and it was just unbelievable. Tell you, excuse my ignorance. Do you watch them on a monitor there at the – 
uh, at the start so you can collect your dog at the, at the finish, and that's my naivety of, uh, of dog races because, you know, you haven't got time to go to the stand and sit up so you you see the whole of the race live. No, no, you watch it from behind the boxes, and it's it's hard to tell sometimes where you are in the position mm. in, of the race, and um, you can see him coming out. And I seen he came out not too bad, and I sort of, I thought, and I sort of was looking at the other dogs, and I thought, oh, I think he's a little bit up there. And I looked at the monitor and and seen around that first turn that he sort of took over, and he was tenacious around that first turn, and he took over, and I, mate, the emotion <laughs> just went through me, you know, and. And I'm pretty calm behind the boxes. I don't normally say a word, but inside me, I'm saying go, go, go with any race. But for some reason that night, um, maybe it was the million dollars that was on offer, you know, I, I don't know. But just something went over me and, and I was just screaming and I felt embarrassed watching it, to be honest with you. No, no. Like that. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty calm. No, and, you can't. Uh, you can't be apologising for that. I can't imagine the exhilaration tells you. Like, you've you've just won a million dollars. Like, I mean, what? It, it, have you thought about it, it, it? What happens from here? Like, what, what difference will it make in your life? What are you going to do? How's it going to be? What are you going to do next? Uh, it's huge. It, it really is. And look, you've got to remember, lab brokes get some of that. So... Um, and good for them. They took yep. the chance on my dog and, and they stuck fat. And I'm so proud and, and so happy that they're part of this. And, and they've been sensational. Ryan from Ladbrokes has just been so unbelievable. And I'll tell you a story. Like, I booked a table upstairs for me, my family and friends. And um, and they said to me, no, we want you in with us. Whatever amount of tickets you want, bring all your mates there, all your family. And I said, but that table will be there because I've booked it and, and we won't use it. And he says, mate, just leave it. If you guys want to go out for a bit of time out and, and sit on that table, that's fine. I said, but yeah, but if no one uses it, I'm paying 1200 bucks for nothing. He goes, mate, we'll cover the bill. Leave it. Just don't worry. We'll cover the bill. And, mate, who does that? This is unbelievable. Yeah. They've, they've made my dream come true. Like, I'm tearing up now thinking about it. And, and if it wasn't for Ladbrokes, this could not have happened. Tell the, the the emotion of mm. you know, um, a race that happened so quickly. Was there a point, uh, you know, that you thought we're going to win this? So, I mean, when he hit the front, and, and I spoke to you guys the other day, you know, and I said to you that his asset is his first two splits. Mm. Um, if he can get out, and, and people said to me. The dog can't win. Box five. He hasn't been jumping out of the boxes. And we've done some box work because he did hit his lid, head on the lids in the top gun. And he sort of lost a bit of confidence. But we've done a lot of box work. And my mate Graham Joe's helped me out so much to try and jump him out and get him his confidence back. And, you know, I'll appreciate him for life. And, and you know, all he had to do was just jump because I know what he can do. I know how good this dog is. And, and when he jumped and, and he got to the front, and that's why I think everything took over and I couldn't hold myself back with all the emotion because I knew that I was a big chance of winning this race. And Simon, you know, you asked me about the money the other day and, and you said, what would you do with it? And I said to you, mate, you know, everyone has a mortgage. I'd pay my mortgage off. And, and this dog, this little dog that's had 19 starts has paid for my house. Mm. You know? Unbelievable. Mm. Brilliant. Awesome, Talji. So good to hear from you, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that you took the time with us last week. And, uh, and again, after a successful weekend this morning, um, love it and love it. And from what How we had the pizza shop go yeah, on the weekend, you're straight back to work. <laughs> 
Yeah, I did. I went back to work last night. Look, life doesn't stop, does it? Doesn't matter if you win a year or two or three. You know, life life doesn't stop. You got to continue. You got to soldier on. But um, I went back to work last night. You won't believe this, mate. I had people come down from everywhere, like from far, and and just wanted to um, say congratulations and, and get a pizza and all that sort of stuff. And they wanted a photo. And I actually took the trophy with me to the shop last yeah. night. Because, <laughs> Um, even though I was at the Meadows Saturday night and I had the staff running the shop on Saturday night, they, um, as soon as the dog won, they reckon that many people rang the shop and to congratulate us. And our Facebook page that we have, uh, Uncle Drew's Pizza, our Facebook page ab- absolutely went mental. So last night I took the trophy in and I thought if anyone does come in, I've got to share it with them, you know, they yeah. can enjoy it. And, yeah, probably about six, seven people came in and they got a photo with a trophy and myself and um, and I had two blokes, no word of lie, two blokes, I don't know who they are, from Tassie that actually rang me and said, mate, we are so happy that you won this race, you deserve it and, and we're so proud and you don't know how excited we were when you won and oh, it's just unbelievable, it really is. It, it, you, know, you don't realise how many lives you touch and on track, you know, that many people, other trainers are coming said, well done, it's just, I'll, I'll cherish that for life. I really will. Mate, uh, we can hear it, both Very hear it in your voice. Uh, it's special and yeah. a, a life-changing weekend for you and your family, Told you. Well done, mate, and thanks so much for, for finding the time for us this morning once again. No, I appreciate it, guys. Hey, Simon, just when I uh, got off the phone to you the other day, I heard, I heard you say that you're in Karen Downs sometimes. You, that you yes, yeah, I do. I do go better. through sometimes, I do. Mate. Pizzas are on me, mate. Drop in one day. I eh? will. I promise you that. I'll come in and get an Aussie with cheese. <laughs> good on you. It'll it'll melt in your mouth, buddy. Beautiful. Good on you, Talji. Good man. Love you boys, have a great day. There Thank he is, you. the winner of the good third boy. edition of the Phoenix with Scalacci, the world's richest greyhound race at the great Meadows. Stories in sport these days. Oh great man, stories. imagine the exhilaration of that. Mm. Incredible. Uh, there you go. We'll take a break. Uh, final break, and I've seen Julian DeStoop. He's in oh, the building. He's coming into here. He's got mornings yeah, on his... No uh, content in his show. And his hot little hands coming out next. Probably show full of content. What's gambling really costing you? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au.